Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. I, Leo Vader. Hi. And Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Welcome, everybody. We have a special fun show for you here. We're talking about the PlayStation 3. It's time to go back and just reminisce on that console, our favorite exclusives, all that fun stuff. More PS3 news than you can shake a stick at. Uh, Then we'll go over maybe some new games that have been released. Maybe we'll talk about Monster Hunter Rise a little bit. Uh, Talk briefly about It Takes Two. I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week. Some more odds and ends. And then back half of the show, of course, we have some wonderful, just delightful questions submitted by the community uh, pulled from Patreon, which every week, Leo, it's humbling to read through those and be like, this is, people are so smart. These questions are so good. Uh, This week in particular, I was just floored by like, God, every single question is just perfect. Like you couldn't ask for a better community submitting better questions over there on Patreon. It's amazing. Come ruin it. Yeah, come ruin it by supporting (laughs) us on Patreon. You can win a great prize from IM8Bit. To follow up on last week's episode, um, we had the Twitter poll to figure out the greatest Bethesda game of all time. And it was, it was interesting. Like we randomized it, the full bracket. So everybody complaining last week, like, Hey, you stabbed evil within in the back. eh? all that fun stuff. Um, everything got its due evil within went down hard and it went down fast, <laughs> but I understand they're great games. A lot of fans out there. Um, couple upsets were interesting. Dishonored beat Morrowind, which I didn't see coming. And then follow New Vegas. Again, we acknowledged last week. We know there are fans. It crushed Oblivion in the polls, which I did not see coming. Um, but mm. then Kyle, believe it or not, it came down to Fallout 3 versus Skyrim and Skyrim won. Ta-da! Yeah. I voted in those since I wasn't on last week, so I thought it was okay. Okay. Yeah, it was all right. But thanks, everybody, for voting over there on MMX's Twitter. Um, okay, the PlayStation 3. Let's go back in time. Uh, this is hot news. It's very relevant because a story broke from The Gamer on Monday reporting that uh, the PlayStation 3 stores will be shut off on July 2nd um, and the PSP online store as well and then the Vita following in August. So it's one of those things we, you know, expected might not be too far away, but this is the first trickle that, hey, one report is saying that these things are going offline this summer and you won't be able to download these old PlayStation exclusives and the PS3 had a lot of great downloadable things and just great games on that platform in general. So we thought it'd be a nice time to kind of Stroll back in time and reflect on some of the greatest PlayStation 3 exclusives. Leo, how are you defining an exclusive? Uh, I don't know. For this conversation, I just feel like anything I strongly associate with that console more than anything. Even if it eventually did get a HD whatever on PS4. I feel like if that's where my memories are with the game... We should talk about it. Yeah, but we're not going to be going like Bioshock, Assassin's Creed 2. I mean, those things, like we're going for the loose definition of a PlayStation exclusive where it launched exclusively and maybe it trickled out on other platforms after that. But um, Kyle, where's your love at for the PlayStation 3? You want to take us back in time and just talk about, I don't know, the announcement? Do you remember anything about the announcement, your hype level, all that fun stuff? Yeah, I mean, the price sticks out as being way too much. Um, I, it was after the Wii, right? Because it was 360, then a year later, then it was Wii and PS3. Mm -hmm. And like, it was definitely like the bottom of the tier for me. Like I loved my 360. I like looking back actually, because I have my list that I've kept for a long time of just every game I've ever beaten. Yeah. The 360 is like easily the longest by like a huge margin. And then the Wii I just adored because I love Nintendo stuff. And the PlayStation 3 was maybe like the first console in my sort of like 
you know, college to adult life that I didn't really feel like I needed to get day one. Like I wasn't like there right away to get it. It wasn't that exciting for me because the price was also a big turnoff as a college student. But I mean, there's a, you know, I got one and I, there's a lot of games that I really love on it for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I think the college thing was huge for me too, where I remember freshman year, it was like, we had our dorm room fully packed up. I was ready to head home for the summer and it was just like one laptop sitting there. And I remember watching the E3 reveal of the PlayStation 3 with the classic 599 US dollars, uh, all the giant enemy crabs, everybody's favorite E3 moments of all time. I remember watching it with my roommates and being like, $600? Like, I just won't get one. And it wasn't until 2008 that I eventually bought a PS3. But then I absolutely loved it. I mean, I didn't have a 360 then for years. It was kind of like this weird period in my gaming life. Uh, but really love the PS3 and it really paid off to start working at Game Informer in that era because whenever there were copies of games flying around, everybody was playing on 360s. It's like, I don't know, who wants this PS3 copy of the game? I'm like, I'll take it. So my PS3 catalog is just gigantic because Game Informer was such a 360 office. I imagine gamers around the world that period were just leaning 360 in such a big, bad way there. Uh, Serial, do you remember yeah. the early memories of the PS3? I do remember the 599 US dollars thing. Uh, you know, it was weird because like a lot of the early stuff was so negative about that. Like the giant enemy crabs and things like that of just like things that are very meme-y. Um, but yeah, I also did not get one at launch. I didn't get one until like 2008. Um, but I think that that to me was like the first time that the consoles had this weird kind of distinction between one or the other where like a 360 is where all the shooters were or like here's where you get online stuff um and here's like where you get a lot of indie stuff and at the beginning like the the ps3 didn't really even have like a good online store it didn't have trophies um right. it was this weird thing that came in kind of hot in a weird way that they were catching up to microsoft um but i also do remember it as like the fighting game console for me because i think a lot of that stuff was so different and if i remember correctly the ps3 had better versions of most fighting games because there wasn't as much of a like the well for one it was a really bad generation for d-pads i think yeah as a whole i think both of them were really <laughs> bad but yeah I, I ended up getting my first arcade stick for uh ps3 yeah and um, leo were you in high school where were you at when this thing was launching uh, yeah, when it was launching, I, it doesn't matter. It wasn't a part of my life at all. No one I knew had one. We were a, a 360 community. <laughs> and then when I finally got one, which was, would have been 2012, probably. It was like, oh, now I have all these exclusives for 10 to $15 at GameStop, which was awesome. For my budget at the time, it was perfect to be like, go through all these excellent games that are just cheap now because of the nature of time. Yeah. <laughs> They're new to me. It's also weird how there was that swap, you know, later on, because originally, like, the 360 could play Xbox games, but it didn't have that kind of established library. But PS3, like, the, the, the original one, could play PS2 and PS3 games. So it was almost like Sony was, like, the console you got to have, like, that entire family of Sony consoles. It was like a retro console, and it still kind of is. But it's interesting to see that having swapped now at this point with between Sony and Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sony kind of shot themselves in, a, in the foot a little bit with that because it was like it was just a feature that disappeared over the course of mm -hmm. its life like i still have my was it 60 gigabyte yep like it's 60 and 20 PS3 it started three yeah. console and it's one that i probably won't be putting in a closet or selling ever 
because it's like the one system I have that I can still pop Metal Gear Solid One into and play. You know? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Oh, just looking back at all this PS3 stuff, I got angry all over again. I'd be like, remember all those rumors about the PS5? It's like, oh, it's going to be fully backwards compatible and how exciting that was, like every generation of PlayStation. And then that just eh, eventually all fell apart. It's just so soul crushing. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, I mean, even beyond like that, like hardware level backwards compatibility, they they made a big effort of putting, you know, PS1 classics and eventually PS2 games on the marketplace, which was like huge, you know, uh, looking you know, I'm sure uh, a bunch of people did this and tried to figure out, okay, well, I they're going to close the store, so what can I re-download and, mm-hmm. and get on my console? And for one, I want to say that that process is laborious. It it it's not good. Uh, it sucks. Yeah, it's like the the download list or whatever is such a pain pain in the ass feature to use. But you know, uh, it it was such a like a a big thing for like putting all, all of my favorite you know, games and seeing that entire history, it was this weird kind of like, oh, right, I did download at one point the demo for this game or whatever. It was such a weird thing to go back to now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I booted up my PS3 and was cruising through it and it was just overwhelmed by like, God, I had so many things installed in this hard drive. This is wild to me now that games were so small back in the day. Like, Look at all these indie things ready to go. It's nice that like, you know, going back to the start, I remember I had like Madden Arcade, like that weird hmm. arcadey Madden release. That was like one of the first unloadable games that I downloaded. Or like Trash Panic. There were so many like old games. Like, oh, I love that. This was just on my hard drive Calling the entire the time. Road, right? Yeah, it was like an era before really being so self-conscious about that hard drive space at all times. Yes, and, and seeing like, oh man, I don't know how much uh, room these consoles have, but also seeing that like, oh, like this game is only like, 110 megs or like this like maybe like a lot of the psn games at the time were like maybe 500 megs max and so you could i was able to stuff quite a few games in, uh like i have two ps3s that i still have access to and so stuff like putting everything that i have and also like though i totally forgot that it has it, it had like compatibility with both vita and psp and so like i ran out of space on my vita really quick but I have a bunch of like those little bubbles and stuff right. uh, on on both of my PS3s just in case I ever need to download, you know, this one random PSP mini. Um, but yeah, like that. Yeah. Also, the process of like, oh, you have to actively tell the system to download something in the background. And then after it downloads, you have to go into the little bubble and then install it. And then you can't do anything else while that's installing. <laughs> uh, they were still really figuring out a lot of what digital games were because, you then- know, even both on Xbox and PS3, there was that thing of like, oh, if you download a game on the arc- uh, uh, from PSN, you have to, you are effectively downloading the demo, which a lot of games came with, and like this unlock key. And so you have to remember to get both of those on your console before it, you know, does what, it, before you can actually play the game. Yeah. Uh, so we each have three of our favorite exclusives. Roughly, we can kind of go around the horn and run down these suckers. Um, Leo... I couldn't imagine a better place to start. I'm choosing you, dude. I want you to hit us with the number three Leo Vader exclusive PlayStation 3 title. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You're not going to believe this. Uh-huh. It's Infamous, the first one. Oh, the first one specifically. Yeah, that's. I really adored that game when I got it. It was one of the only games, the only game ever with a karma system where immediately after beating it while going one way, I played through it again the other karmic direction because i would just wanted to play more of it and it was a i don't know very fond memories very fond early like city exploration 
grinding around on yeah, those power lines. Perhaps unsurprisingly, I'm like 100% with you, Leo. Like, it is one of the few games. I think I did it with two as well, but like, you beat it. I got the good ending, and I just instantly started a new game to get the other ending, which I like never do. And, uh, yeah, just movement felt so good. I loved Sly Cooper, and it was it was one that I was like really excited for. I was like, okay, let's see what they've got next. And like, it was an age like where there weren't like a lot of superhero stories yet. Like the MCU hadn't really kicked off. We weren't totally overloaded with like superhero games and movies and TV shows. So it felt kind of novel. It felt and it like it had a good comic book presentation. And the story of Infamous One I think is really cool and has like a really interesting twist at the end you know like and it yeah i i love it i actually put it over uh two for sure just because of that like initial impact of like you know like two refined a lot of the things in one but i i just the first game just really resonated with me in a big way i i adore infamous what the i guess we won't spoil infamous's ending but like what about the story was so unique to you just in the superhero level uh well just because like because there weren't a lot of sort of triple a video game stories about someone getting powers and like learning how to use powers like i feel like that's a story that i've seen a lot now and i still really enjoy but at the time it was new and it really worked in a video game setting because you were literally unlocking new abilities and learning how to use them at the same time as cole you know yeah and the the mystery of that game just from being an original character like you're saying like that added a lot to it it not being based on anything yeah, and, and then and, like the uh, the Akira super fan in me just loves the opening of the game because you press start and it's just an explosion. Like there's not like you know you don't go into options or anything like that. It's just like start game and it just instantly goes to a cutscene where everything explodes and it just like it rolls right into it. And then it, it also whenever you reload the game after leaving it, it doesn't it doesn't pause you at a start screen. It just drops you right into the game, which I wish more games would do. I love that. Yeah, I do remember really liking the story of the last couple hours where it just feels like. I, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of like, well, I'm losing all of my allies. I have like two basic, two pretty large villainous factions that are both kind of like, uh, uh, like coming at me from both sides and I have to figure out what I'm going to do. And there's like the morality stuff was kind of weird because it was kind of like uh, Cole is ostensibly a good guy, but it's like you can kind of just play him as a, as a jerk. But I do remember like that being a case where we yeah, we just hadn't seen a lot of stuff stories and video games that revolved around superheroes or like that took them quote unquote seriously even though in graphic novels that was like right you know what everyone was doing but seeing that in a video game i think was was pretty cool and so like yeah that that ended up being my number three as well i mean that is that's got to be within a year right before they announced the infamous tv show or infamous movie coming from playstation productions where they're trying to bring out more playstation ip into hollywood and bring it to the screen like infamous is right there my favorite little weird tidbit about Infamous is when we visited Sucker Punch and we're talking about the origins of Infamous, um, they said, and it was such a weird beat, but they said they were pitching Sony because before Sucker Punch was owned by Sony and they were pitching Sony on different IP they could make. One of them was, oh, what was it called? True Hero, I think, was like the early, early phase of Infamous. And another idea they pitched was a character in, very inspired by Lost getting lost on an island that there were dinosaurs on and the game was called uncharted (laughs) and this is like before you know i don't even know if project big had even started at naughty dog at that point but you know uh, sucker punch was very funny about like it was just a name we didn't know and like and the person we were pitching to at sony didn't react they didn't like write it down (laughs) and be like we're gonna use that name later but it's a weird coincidence that now these two juggernauts for sony studios both 
pitched games called Uncharted. But anyways, weird Good deal. Uh, so that's Serial's number three. Number three, Kyle, what do you got? Uh, my number three is Heavenly Sword. Awesome choice. Uh, from that's Ninja as PS3 theory. as you can get. Yeah, man, I that game, it's it, it's certainly not perfect. It didn't run very well. It was early in the PS3's life. It um, it's It's not very long, which I was fine with. I've always been fine with that, but it's pretty short. But like, you know, a lot of people elevate Naughty Dog for being the studio that early, very early on recognized the value of like uh, performance capture yeah. and storytelling and video games. But like every time that conversation comes up, I'm like, can we please talk about Heavenly Sword? Because like... <laughs> They were they were working with Andy Circus. They were like they I remember like booting up that game and just being blown away by the facial animation and being able to see like the pores in characters skin and stuff like that. And the story is so strange and unique and the world is so interesting and the combat's very cool. Um it's one that I've played through at least twice. I mean, I mean there's I don't if you remember Hanson there was this uh podcast that one up used to do it's an interesting idea where they would like play through games mm. was, you know what? it kind of reminds me of the deepest dive <laughs> so they were trying to create the best most thorough discussion about games on the internet but That's didn't right. quite and get they there. did heavenly okay. sword and i remember just listening and being like oh you know what i think i want to play this and i sat down and i beat it a second time in one sitting because i was just so engaged oh, with wow. it i i really love heavenly sword i feel like it doesn't quite get the credit it deserves in terms of like recognizing sort of what we consider like the modern importance of performance capture in video games. I feel like they were doing it early uh, before most were. Yeah. Um, wasn't there a sequence where you have to steer the arrow with the six axis? <laughs> yes. And you can turn that off uh, the first chance you get. To oh, do good. That. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I went back. It's like in the opening scene, you control cannonballs and like you can do it once or twice, but you can just pause and, and turn it off, which is uh, I appreciate. Thank God. Yeah. I went back and watched the E3 2006 presentation and it is like, <laughs> it is hilarious that their big closer is showing like, and this is the PlayStation three controller, the six axis. You know, it seemed like that was the big one eighty from showing the boomerang earlier. Now it's like, we're doubling down on the classic form, but it's a whole new dimension. And they have a Warhawk demo and I tweeted it out from the min max account, but it is so hilarious to see this developer for the new Warhawk game using the six axis. And he just looks like every crappy sitcom where someone's playing a game, but it's like, this guy <laughs> knows the game so well, but still he's like, whoa, like leaning into it, just gyrating around the stage. And they had to give a little song and dance to Phil Harrison about like, this is opening up a whole new dimension for developers. Yeah. We cannot imagine. We're taking out Rumble because this is better. <laughs> this is, so, oh, I, who needs Rumble? Yeah. Rumble's yeah. the past unless it's HD. I also remember, yeah, that boomerang controller was such a wild concept at the time and everyone would like just unilaterally like rejected it. Uh, but I wonder <laughs> now in the face of like the PS4 and PS5 controllers being very like significantly different and people being like, oh, yeah, this is in, like enormously better than the DualShock. If that controller wouldn't have actually also been better than the DualShock 3 at some point. Honestly, like in a world where the classic consoles are flying off the shelves, if Sony seriously just manufactured the boomerang controllers functional for PS3 and released it, I think they would make a lot of money. I would buy one. Like, what a weird thing to own. Too. Yeah. That would be really, such a weird nostalgia play because it's like when uh, like when Microsoft released like a USB version of the Duke controller, this would basically yes. be like, what if we made a fake version of the Duke effectively? Like, of just, hey, remember that time we showed you this controller you hated? 
49.99. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like, remember how this didn't exist? Right. That's nostalgic. Yeah. And then yeah. come up with a little hook on the back. Copy so you can StarCraft like, Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> you could like hang it, like mount it above your head, like a trophy. Like there's cool things mm. you could do with the boomerang. You could throw it and it would come back to you. It'd be amazing. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've tried that so many Run. times with the DualShock. It don't work. <laughs> From the slacks I've been in over the last few years, I can confirm, yes, all you f***ers will buy that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my number three um, is the same way Heavenly Sword kind of gets overlooked, Kyle. I feel like this series gets overlooked when you talk about, like, the rise of indie games, the indie revolution. But I guess focusing it down, I'll say Pixel Junk Shooter. But for me, like the Pixel Junk series on PS3 was so huge and being a huge fan again of like one up. I remember them really focusing on these games from Q Games so much and it really elevated like, look at these small, awesome games being released on a console now. I mean, this is going back to 2007 was the first Pixel Junk game with racers. Um, but it's an super fun series. So interesting just to have this indie branding that did help elevate it and to like be able to interconnect these completely different genres and things just with the pixel junk name and the Q games pedigree was a really smart way to get more attention to these experimental projects. But shooter is probably my favorite. I really like shooter one and shooter two, just for a co-op experience where you're saving the scientists, you know, it's a lot of mixing elements of like, okay, you got lava here. So you need to blast this with the rocket to release the water to cool the lava. So you can go rescue the scientists over there. But I'd such a great time going through those in co-op yeah I, I that was essentially my number four was pixel junk shooter like i i the pixel junk games were always ones that i was like "Ooh, this i you know i this is supposed to be really good i'm gonna play it but like none of them really clicked with me until shooter mm. and I, I yeah i'm with you like i loved shooter i thought it was fantastic and i, I remember that the e3 where they announced pixel junk shooter 2 ended up being like my favorite announcement because they announced Twisted Metal during that show and I'm not a big Twisted Metal fan. And then they also announced PS Plus during that show and I was like, I don't really want to pay for this. This doesn't really sound like a compelling <laughs> like thing for me. But then they had Pixel Junk Shooter just in the middle of a montage. They had Pixel Junk Shooter 2 and I was like, hell yeah, Pixel Junk Shooter. That's the best <laughs> thing in this whole show. Yeah, I guess 1 and 2, they released something called... Uh, Pixel Junk Shooter Ultimate that's on PS4 and also on Steam, I guess. So it's out there, which is nice. But for the full rundown of Pixel Junk games, just so we don't lose track, it's very clear. It goes Racers, Monsters, Eden, Shooter, Shooter 2, Side Scroller, which I liked, but kind of just felt like repurposing some shooter stuff. Pixel Junk 4AM, which one of the greatest game names of all time. There's like that it's like music. music like it's a like music a visualizer. We had a move controller yeah. to kind of affect it a little bit. Then Monsters 2, then Eden 2, and then of course Pixel Junk Raiders, the Stadia exclusive, just for the full journey. They have been around. I really liked Eden 2. Uh, Eden, the first one, I should say. Uh, I, w- I went and tried Eden 2. It's on Switch. And it's like, I just feel like the controls could be. They're a little too faithful to that original game, but the idea of just like the fun grappling hook with the artistic, you know, background and music is a really fun idea. But Pixel Junk Shooter, everybody, check it out. Uh, Leo, number two, what do you got, man? My number two is Tokyo Jungle. Hell yes. Oh, right. Nice. Which is a game I imagine most people have heard of, or more people have heard of rather than played, because you can only play it on PlayStation now at this point, I think. Okay. It never got released on anything after PS3, but it was a game where you played as animals in a post-apocalyptic world where humans had vanished from society. And you're running around in Tokyo, and the really novel thing was that every animal played differently, like not just between carnivores and herbivores who were going after animals or plants, respectively, but each animal 
being more equipped to deal with different animals and, you know, moving up the food chain as far as what you could actually fight and take on or like try to get in a quick hit to stun them and make a run for it. Yeah. And then the gameplay was trying to keep your your bloodline going as long as possible, like trying to breed and get multiple generations of animals until you can accomplish these different challenges that unlock different animals. It was a really fun loop. And eventually you got to dinosaurs and crap if you <laughs> Top of the survive long enough. Oh, whoa. Yeah, remember that game that, was crazy. Yeah, the Pomeranian was big. I remember it was a lot, maybe it's just because I didn't get that far. I remember it was a lot of stealth as a deer. <laughs> just like, all right. See, this is why I like the downloadable games for PS3. Just these weird yeah. choices. You do. Yes. You do. And great co-op. If you're not familiar with the game, um, you should Google. I think it was only in Japan where I got a physical release. That box art is incredible because it's just a, a post-apocalyptic city with a fog and there's just a cute Pomeranian dog just like tiny and framed in the center of this like rubble. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. It's amazing. That's it's perfect. Cool. Yeah, I, I miss, miss that game. I should go back to it at some point. Uh, but realistically, I don't think I ever will, which is sad. Serial, uh, number two? Uh, my number two is Demon Souls. Oh, of course. Um, big Souls-like game. Back when they were uh, not calling them that yet. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, is, that, is that a Souls-like? It's just the Souls at that point. That's yeah, what they called it. it. Is this the is the Souls. Uh, but yeah, but that was definitely a game that I had. I bounced off of the first time I played because I thought it was like, yeah, not good. Because like it, those games do not have a lot of, especially those early ones do not look polished the way a lot of like PS even contemporary games looked. And yeah, it just took me a long time to get, like I played it, abandoned it. And then like after everyone was like, no, this game's actually really cool. And I think it might've been after I played through dark souls that I went back and played demon souls and was like, oh, okay, now that I kind of understand what these, what this game is supposed to be. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And then like, even after, like, I think the remake also has, has uh, made me like that game a lot more than I used to. Um, because I've like, yeah, I just remember even now how, how I ha- here's this like basic concept of this really difficult game where you're kind of, you know, like what we understand now as souls games, but even in that context, it had a lot of unique ideas that they don't really go back to. Like, I just remember the first time I saw the, uh, the skeletons that roll at you. And just like, I remember thinking immediately, like, are they trying to make fun of me of how much I've been rolling this whole game? Like, this is what you look like, idiot. Uh, and like this entire time, just rolling at you and attacking you. And like, yeah, the way that game is kind of just fundamentally busted with like magic and stuff, but it still kind of works. It just made me think like, oh yeah, you know, like you, a game doesn't always have to be like balanced or perfect or whatever to, to actually be good. It can just be this weird broken thing that actually really works somehow. Um, but yeah, that game, that game is, is really good. Yeah. That's a great choice. Even if it's, on the yeah, tip that, of that was song. so fun to watch. Like even, I, my wife played it a lot weirdly, which is not her typical genre. So I, I saw her play a lot of it, but it was fun to watch, to track it as being this like, I, throwaway is not the right word but it's just like oh it's another one of those weird atlas games that right. you're only going to see like five copies total in your region and like they're going to get snapped up by collectors but then it slowly started bubbling and it even got like a game of the year award from a couple places and i was like what is this little thing it it, it was it's been interesting to watch it expand from that one game you know yeah it's like um it's it felt like as if Etrian Odyssey suddenly became the most dominant genre in the industry. It's just like <laughs> that weird little thing that people were talking about, I guess, like suddenly blew up. Yeah, I, I, even as far back as like I want to say 2000, late 2008, I think it was that you'd see blogs of like, hey, this Demon Souls game from 
uh from atlas i think could be super cool and i remember seeing someone right like you know demon souls like out metroids metroid and not zelda zelda and just thinking like there's no there's no way and it just like the, it doesn't <laughs> seem as 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 like wild a comparison now but like you know hats off to that person for being as prescient as they were to just like have the courage to say like this random game that you know like does not you know it doesn't really have any prestige to it is as good as like anything contemporary or like classics i think is was like a really good call uh yeah and so like i remember yeah like that game that series trajectory is so yeah uh wild to to look back on now yeah i think we all agree hats off to that person they really yeah <laughs> they called it i don't remember still, who it was <laughs> still a bad uh title though the apostrophe demon. s into the word souls it's, it's right. one demon has many yeah. souls okay <laughs> <laughs> many but it does not feel good in my mouth oh. demon's soul <laughs> yeah demon's souls multiple souls kyle it oh, is me, souls sorry. i don't know um kyle number two Number two, um, God of War three is my number two. Of course, um, I I had hit this point which I, I we've even talked about recently on the show where you kind of have these like uh, ebbs and flows of like ah, you know nothing nothing's really grabbing me right now and then but then something will like really grab you. I was having sort of one of those moments right before God of War three came out where I was like I don't know if I love games as much as I used to and it was like ten minutes into the opening of that game <laughs> that totally like revitalized everything I loved about video games. The opening of that game is incredible. I still think it outdoes I know a lot of people love the Stranger fight in the recent God of War. Yeah. Which is amazing. But I think just the build up, the the sort of the drop off of God of War two, like teasing like you're climbing Mount Olympus. And then the beginning of God of War three where you fight like a bunch of gods while climbing Mount Olympus. It's just like incredible. And then the game it's like one of the most like enjoyable sort of trilogy conclusions I've ever played through in video games and maybe media is just like in terms of just a really satisfying conclusion to everything that had been, you know, laid down for God of War 1 and 2 and it just looks incredible. It's it plays really well. Every boss fight is like memorable and stunning. Like I it's a game that I'll just like play through the beginning occasionally again just because it's so cool. All right, or just the Guitar Hero mini game. <laughs> I'll just skip to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if you had to rank the mainline God of War, Kyle. Yeah. I think, you, um, I think you know where this is going. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> Are we clicking PSP games in there? Oh, I, I if I had to rank them, I would. No, just, just, let's go with the four. <laughs> the four. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is, I think God of War 2 is still my favorite. Wow. I love God of War 2. And then I would, and then the new one and then three and then one but like the new one and three are are really close for me like i it's it's certainly a different game like you know obviously like it's a much different story in a different game or three is very much like a bombastic let's see how insane we can get and mm-hmm. then the new one is a more muted kind of story about fatherhood that's really compelling and i adore it but uh i love them both for like different reasons you know yeah there it is everybody um my number two is one of the weirdest <laughs> development stories, I think, in the industry that I'm fascinated by, but it's a game called Richard. R-O-C-H-A-R-D. Uh, PS3 exclusive. I think it also came out on PC, but it's not in Steam. It's never left the PS3. Like, it was never brought to PS4. Also, Recoil Games, the developer, as far as I can tell, just completely dropped off the face of the earth. I can't find anything about the team that made this, but it was just this indie game um two and a half d i guess you can call it 
trucker metroidvania light on the metroidvania elements more just puzzle solving um with like a basically the gravity gun from half-life but just cool platforming um exploration and a lot of puzzle solving with a gravity gun but i really like that game and i felt like i was such a weird defender of richard because it just did not get enough attention for when it released back in 2011 um but i remember when it came out i was enjoying it so much and nobody was talking about it and i I said on no, I'm gonna admit on the podcast, I guess, but I think I tweeted out uh, that if you buy Richard and you don't like it, I will send you your ten dollars and you can get your money back. I will just pay if you don't like this game. And only one person took me up on it, and I went through Twitter and dug it up, and it was this guy named Davy Paul. Uh, who eventually tweeted to me and said, hey, the 10 bucks arrived. It's a solemn reminder that people on the internet are real. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> thank you, Davey, for trying the game and apparently not liking it. And I paid them $10, but uh, Richard. I, 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 I started it, but I didn't, it didn't hook me in. Can I, can I have $10 as well? Or? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. No problem, man. I'll I had to install $10. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. And Leo? I think it was a PlayStation Plus thing and I got it installed on my PS3, but I never started it up. <laughs> okay. So I think that makes me the most yeah. uh, eligible okay. for a refund. Great. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> the yeah. Patreon uh, funds. I, I, I did like what I played. It seems like it'd be up your alley, Kyle. Yeah. I, I remember because I have a very a very distinct memory because I had just started a game informant and we were having our because I started late in the year and we were having mm-hmm. end of the year debates. And I, you were like, guys, Rochard is really good. And I remember you being like, it combines elements of Half-Life with elements of metroid and i remember you even being like i know those games are like insane to compare it i'm to sure the room was very the reasonable made, about it I, I swear this game is good <laughs> yeah then they threw me out the window i believe uh leo number one number one hold on to your hats it's the last of us part one <laughs> of course i adored the story but i don't know if it would be my number one if not for that sweet multiplayer it was a it was a full period of my life, a full like six month period that I remember very clearly of when I had moved back in with my parents and I worked at a restaurant and every night I would come home and I'd boot up The Last of Us and I put on a gamer headset that I bought for that game because having a mic was such an advantage on console before everybody had a mic yeah. at all times. And that was before Discord or anything too. So it's not like I had friends to hang out with every night. It was instead I would go play online and like make new friends and have a weirdly social experience that way and play just that multiplayer, which God, I loved it so much the way it was stealthy and rewarded you being careful and quiet and planning and you're ahead with your loadout and everything. I thought it was clever in a way I hadn't seen a lot of uh, team-based multiplayers be. Yeah. And you made a, uh, an episode of watch later about why you love the multiplayer mode. It's on Max's YouTube channel. You can check it out, but I remember in that video, you, you mentioned like what seemed like a cool thing at the time, which was it would pull in your Facebook friends and be like, hey, check it out. The pandemic. These are your friends have been wiped out by the pandemic. And it's like, uh, no, yeah, no more. There, Thank you. Facebook. There, there was a weird era where everyone was trying to get games were trying to get like Facebook connectivity and Twitter access and stuff. I remember people talking about how like I think Uncharted 2 yep, Uncharted 2 had like had let you tweet out of it and people were like I don't know. Like even then people were like I don't know about this. Because you would like link it and then it would tweet out every time you finished a chapter which is so insane. <laughs> yeah, you can also 
got it to tweet out every time you unlocked a trophy for in any game, which was like, cool. no, no, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, I mean, Hades might as well have that for everybody posting their clear, clear screens. You know? Yeah. yeah well. Cool yeah. We'll internet. <laughs> uh, great choice, Leo. Somebody had to do it. Um, and it has a story, too. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. This list was, I don't know for you guys, it was really hard for me to sort of uh, bring it down to three. And I had, I definitely had that moment where I was like, what are some of the best PS3 games? And I was like, oh my God, The Last of Us was a PS3 game. <laughs> yeah. I, I always think of it as a PS4 game at yeah, this point. It's know? such a great PS4 port. Yeah, for me, the hard part was like figuring out like a lot of the games that I really strongly associate with the PS3 were not exclusives uh, for me. Mm. Like, uh, I, I think if if we were to like, say like, what are the, what is the best game you played on PS3? It's probably that that uh, online edition of Street Fighter 3 because it was such, <laughs> oh, a, such a feature complete version of that game, even though it wasn't like arcade perfect. The stuff they added was just incredible. But like, yeah, in terms of like the, the exclusives, it was hard to like distinguish because I have so many fond memories of of non-exclusive games. But yeah, yeah. I think my, my number one is like 100% the most exclusive game for PS3, which is Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, just for how like it is still weird to me that they I don't think they ever that game has not left that console in any way shape or form well PlayStation now insane. you can you can stream yeah I, you, you have to run it through that like the PS3 counts. emulator right like yeah. I don't know there's no native version out of that game outside of like it right. running on PS3 architecture which is strange but yeah I, I remember liking Metal Gear Solid 4 a lot when it came out of just like wow this is a wild experience and I, I think that's the reason I bought a PS3 oh was wow. because I think I, like a, a few months before that I played through the rest of the Metal Gear Solid games uh and was like oh okay because I'd heard a lot about like oh people really like Metal Gear Solid 3 uh and so I played through you know like well I want to play through the rest of the series just in case and so it just happened that at the end, after I beat Metal Gear Solid 3, I had like the money to buy PS3 and Metal Gear Solid 4. That's perfect. Um, and I want to say I might have even gotten Metal Gear Solid 4 before I had a PS3. Mm. I think I might have gotten bought that collector's edition, uh, which was, I think, $100, and then waited a couple months and then got a PS3. Uh, but And then so I, I played it. I played through it. I really loved it. I, I, think it, I think it was probably my favorite game of 2008. Um, but then... I remember like uh, as it went on, it's like, oh, it's just like it's too cinematic. It's too short or whatever. Like it's not like it's not as in-depth as it's not as systemic as a lot of other games or whatever, even Metal Gear. But I think now looking back on it, it's such a weird object of just like, <laughs> yes, I cannot believe how many things they let Kojima get away with with this game. It really is one of the strangest games ever made. And I love it. Like I had a similar situation with you where I bought the game before I had my PS3 because I couldn't afford the PS3 yet. But uh, best friend Ronnie had one. Look, all right, I'm going to buy the game, and then because I'm buying your copy of the game that'll eventually give you, you should let me borrow your PS3. So I got to play it, like, day one, and it was so exciting to, like, have this new console I didn't even own yet. I was just borrowing from a friend and blast through it. But it is striking. Even, like, going back to the original reveal trailer, it was at that E3 2006, so I watched it again. It is just, like, an avalanche of weird that I completely forgot about, where this reveal trailer, it's like, you know... Very Black Hawk Down, obviously the the Act One. It's really focusing on, and it's is this is this the finally a policy switch one? Um, no, I don't think okay. so because there was kind we'll of like a weird yeah. teaser later. Yeah, but so for this one, it's you know they show the geckos early on, so you're seeing Metal Gear Rex heads, and then with weird legs, and they're pooping in the streets, and then it's just hey, we have Meryl, we have liquid ocelot we have otacon coming back showing like all your friends are coming back and we have solid snake coming back and then the end of the trailer is snake just putting a 
fucking gun in his mouth and then it's just the bullet like the sound of the gunshot it blows my mind that in their big triumphant return of like solid snakes back everybody they end the reveal trailer with him blowing his brains out he's back to blow his brains out <laughs> it's insane yeah if, i feel like if they had like actually gone through with that decision and actually had that be the ending i think it would have been one of the greatest games ever made and just like oh my God. which is effectively like what ends up happening like you like that character does not exist beyond that game like it, it right they haven't made a sequel revenge he's not in revengeance at all like in in hind- I'm sure you know, like at the time, they were like, "We can't kill Solid Snake. We're gonna make more games." And it turns out they never really did make more Solid Snake games. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, Metal Gear Solid Six will return. We'll have older Snake coming back. Now he has two guns in his mouth. Oldest, oldest Snake, Elder Snake. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the the entire like 18 endings that that game has, like the the how each chapter i think is like really distinct in yes. terms of w- what kind of gameplay or even like aesthetic things it's going for um yeah it, it's such a strange game to play it, it it is almost less of a game and more like that kind of interactive movie that everyone wants to talk about in terms of like this is just this is just going for one scene after another and it's just such a strange game like the the full motion intro like the weird intersections where they had like Sunny making eggs after every chapter and oh. in the, the install screen like that game is like structurally one of the weirdest games in like in terms of especially triple yes. A games. It's ever. so rare I mean, to it's, have it's also a Metal Gear game broken into levels, which is like, yeah, you know, yeah. And it's so weird to have a game that's so story focused, but just so clearly there's dividing lines between act one, act two, act three, act four. It's like I really like personally, I know it's the least loved but like i really like act three just for how weird it was and how much a Metal Gear Solid three is relevant for that and i didn't mind the sneaking through prog stuff i thought it was kind of cool and i thought it was the funniest thing in the world when the guy in the trench coat turns out to be a bunch of those hand robots stacked on top of each other like a <laughs> muppet man but like it's just yeah. so distinct that to be like oh yeah act two or like oh my god act four that insane flashback of snake's yeah. dream there's so much packed into that game even if it is my you know, it's number four on my list of Metal Gears. Ultimately, just because like I would hesitate. It's at the to go bottom through. of mine too. I yeah. like, I like, I love it. it. But it's 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 my least favorite Metal Gear Solid game. For sure. Right. When you go back and think about literally the hour and a half long cutscene at the end, and I was just screaming at my TV like, "You got your point across, Kojima. We got it." When it's like, "Don't you understand?" zero one must become zero but zero is still a number so zero cannot exist it's like yeah i got that concept but it's literally like 20 minutes of them explaining the fact that zero yeah. is still a number it's like i got it everybody <laughs> well, you see the mayans invented the contents of zero <laughs> uh, but yeah like I, I yeah it's such a like i don't think the story of that game is good but it is fascinating like yes. what they do with that game and i also feel like that had to be if it wasn't already there before like the kernel of like we this is not a sustainable way to make a game is like we built like <laughs> chapter three especially like yeah. we built all these like incredible environments and they look amazing and you're going to spend maybe like an hour in them and you can almost point to this game as like this is the start of where people thought let's just make open world games because they're a better use of resources than this uh where you like we spend so much time and budget on like what is this effectively like a six hour game right yes it yeah. is bonkers um and uh the the part that I always am fascinated by is that flashback at the start of Act Four, 
Um, and I remember visiting Kojima Productions and talking to Ken, who is the producer on that game, who went to school in Minneapolis, which was awesome. So his English was great. Um, but he was talking about the absurd amount of tech wizardry that went into recreating the PlayStation stuff for the start of the Shadow Moses chapter. Um, and he's like, that was an unbelievable amount of effort. And he said that like, we worked very closely with PlayStation. Like they actually brought some developers over. Like that was a real Herculean task between Konami and PlayStation working together just to like make that possible on the PlayStation three. And so I'm sure they could brute force their way around it. But I always wonder if that's one of the reasons why it's not getting re-released is just like whatever tech was built out to make that happen was so tricky to bring forward, but I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if at this point it would be cleaner to just even just make a remake of that game, which would be weird yeah. to announce out of nowhere. But I could see it's either <laughs> going to be like original Metal Gear or Metal Gear Solid 4. It's just like we're just make Blue Point is making Metal Gear Solid 4 because <laughs> it's easier. Yeah. And then the flashback <laughs> is of Twin Snakes instead of the original. <laughs> like they got to do uh, it. Um, do yeah. you get anything out of four without playing the other ones, though, if they were to just remake only that one? Oh, my God. It's I cannot, such a oh, quote unquote conclusion. Yeah. I mean, was, it is. I mean, the, well, Serial, you, it seems like you played. That's the first one you played. Did I misunderstand what you're no, saying? No, no, no. It was I, I played all the other ones leading up to it. Like, I remember. Oh, like, OK. OK. Gotcha. Yeah. But I would be curious to see what that is like just playing that game out of nowhere. But it, it was it was strange to see. I think it was last year or maybe the year before where they they put two and three i no, it was i think it was just two on good old games uh on yeah Dog. i think one as well one and two uh solo and then they just never followed up on that for whatever reason right so I'm, i'd be curious to see if they just end up releasing like at some point down the road when konami gets around to making games again they just end up releasing like remaster those games and then like here's a remake of four uh but i could also see it being konami and then never doing anything again i mean do yeah. you think in this world They're of... They're busy knocking away Silent Hill rumors. They got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. But in this world of everything coming back, does anybody want to say definitively that they are confident we will never see a continuing story that involves Solid Snake? Like, will we ever see canonical Solid Snake post Metal Gear Solid 4? Or is he just Captain America now for the MCU? Of just like, he's out there, I guess, but... I think we will honestly you think at some Whether, point for better or worse i could i could even see kojima doing it in some far-flung future you know what i mean like somehow sony know. buys the rights somebody buys the rights and yeah but by, by 2030 when sony has yeah. bought konami and just said we're just taking the property rights you can keep the exercise stuff uh and, and the, the pachinkos and then they just you know team up with the uh, or uh, Kojima Productions, which they've also bought, and so now yeah. now it's like a Sony-owned property. But yeah, like yeah, I also remember just like the podcast, the fact that you had an iPod, an iPod that you could listen to podcasts on while you were playing the game, <laughs> and you could listen a- to the Kojima Productions podcast, which was one of my favorites that Ryan Payton hosted. Um, yeah, and you could listen to the making of the game within the game. Like that was peak Metal Gear Solid Four hype. Was just listening to every millisecond of that podcast of Kojima Productions, and it was just the best oh good times um if you're really interested in the making of Gear solid 4 um back at game informer i wrote a feature about that opening about the live action stuff and how they filmed those commercials and so it's really the only big feature i ever wrote but i think it's called channeling creativity like the opening of Gear solid 4 and it's it's cool because we got you know we we're at kojima Productions, so we actually got to talk to 
to Ken, the producer and stuff, just about why they did that, how much it costs, how much Logan, the production company, busted their ass to make that happen just for the sake of this completely optional thing. It's not needed really in any way, but it's just the best. Um, Metal Gear Solid 4. What's better, what's better than that, mm-hmm. other than those other three games? Just clones being dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is a game I don't want to play at all, but I have nothing but love in my heart for. <laughs> you just watched Metal Gear Scanlon, right? Over at Giant Bomb? Yeah. yeah. That's got to be such a weird way to absorb that game. It was ideal, I think. <laughs> the commentary track. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's stuck on the PlayStation 3, unless you have PS Now, which... You know, is an option, but I mean, it's that weird thing of, so if you have the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection, then you get like voucher codes for Metal Gear Solid 1 and VR, but if these rumors are true and the PlayStation Store is shutting down, even if you're going through PS Now, would you be able to, you probably wouldn't be able to download Metal Gear Solid 1 and VR for the Legacy Collection, right? Yeah, I I don't, I want to say I heard somewhere that it, like, you won't be able to buy anything new, but you can maybe still re-download stuff. But who knows, because it's, you know, it's kind of part of an unconfirmed report or, you know, a widely circulated but unconfirmed report. So yeah. I'm sure if whenever they do get around to announcing it, if they do, which I'm sure they will. But um, that is definitely one of those questions, because I think Metal Gear Solid, for some reason, I remember playing Metal Gear Solid 1, uh, but I don't remember how I played it or like because I thought I would had that voucher code, but it turns mm-hmm. out it's not in my download history. So I just hmm. have to figure out, like, do I want to spend ten dollars to have Metal Gear Solid on a PS3, the store of which is going away, and I guess there's some like internal clock issue where at some point once those once that store is down, because the system has to check your licenses for downloaded games regularly, eventually once that store is down, like it'll at some point that check will fail and you'll lose access to all of your downloadable. What? Ones. Well, maybe they'll come up with some weird yeah, and patch in there for yeah that. so we'll, we'll see how that goes but i think there was just this call for like hey mod like it, for people who are hacking the ps3 this this is maybe like the number one priority at this point is to figure right. out how to emulate that check so that you can actually keep you know your licenses um but yeah. i would like to yeah metal gear solid 4 is definitely the game that i'm really glad that i have a physical copy of more than any other ps4 uh, ps3 game yeah it's weird to think that the playstation 3 has every Metal Gear on it, other than Survive, which is a tragedy. But it's weird to think you can play Phantom Pain on the yeah. PS3. It's, ugh. Oh, technically point. doable. Um, God, Metal Gear Solid 4, the best, the best. It's really bizarre that we haven't done a deepest dive on Metal Gear yet for how much those games are packed full of info and interesting things to talk about. Yep, Portable Ops, starting out strong. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, number one. My number one. Get ready for a Metal Gear Solid length discussion again here. Uh-huh. Is infamous. My number one was infamous. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> and you just Love kept it. that hidden the entire time. We're talking. <laughs> I thought you might in my pocket. I thought you might go for um the Eco and Shadow of the Colossus weird bundle, which uh, is now like the best yeah, place to play I Eco. Didn't, I didn't count that. I mean the Jack and Daxter PS2 HD games, was yeah. great. And yeah, Ico Shadow of the Colossus is great. But those are PS2 games, you know? Yeah. But still weird that like you can play Eco in 3D on a playstation 3 with those glasses yeah. <laughs> i have like i have it's funny the way it was I, meant to be played <laughs> i do have like a collection you know i i really cold my physical games but there's like a handful of games i just will never get rid of and on that shelf for ps3 which is getting really small i still have ico and shower closets and Gear solid for like those are ones that i won't sell off heavenly sword is still in there too mm-hmm. you know yeah uh shout out to a lot of folks uh in the patreon we're big fans of 3d dot game heroes 
the game published and co-developed by From Software, right. but kind of that, that pixelated voxel Zelda game. A lot of love for that one. Um, yeah, I played a lot of that. That was, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Shout out to my boy Africa, which I was very, very excited about in that initial reveal. And then eventually came out. And it's like, it's like Pokemon Snap, but in Africa. And everyone's like, lame. Wait, Hanson, did you, yeah. did, you, uh, did you say you're number one? Oh, it was Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. Oh, okay. By uh, you didn't say it officially. Yeah, okay. you're right. Good call. Congratulations. Um, but number yeah. zero, of course, is Africa, where, yeah, it turns out <laughs> right. Pokemon Snap. <laughs> no, wait, 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 zero, I'm the whole continent. I don't understand. <laughs> My number zero must become no number at all. Anyways, that game was uh, not that great, ultimately, that Africa game. It's like, it was really frustrating because you started out and you had to be in the Jeep and you're on a timer and you couldn't walk around and then even then you could, but it, was, it turns out a long, boring walk across the Serengeti. But does anybody else have uh, PS3 gems they want to shout out? Uh, uh, Double Dragon Neon. I didn't wow. play much, but I had it on my. I never uninstalled it because tabbing over it, it played the coolest song. Because on PS3, <laughs> you mouse over it and it would just play like a song. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> I, a uh, I recommend looking up the ending for that game, even if you don't ever play it. The ending yeah. is really hilarious and weird. Yeah. Huh. Kyle, I'm surprised you didn't mention Journey because that was my number four. That well, was the course. game that almost made yeah. my list. Journey. Uh, even though, like, I think it's probably best experience to, like on P- on PC or PS4, where it maybe runs a little better. But I don't remember it running that poorly. But yeah, that, that game was definitely like a, a moment in video game discourse of just like, oh wow, games can be this. Uh, and it was like this weird kind of like voiceless thing, and it had an interesting co-op thing. And I I remember really enjoying Journey as well. Yeah, yeah. Journey's great, and also like holds up really well. It's great to go back to it. Short, you can just like breeze through it on an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turns out there's a lot of weird games for PlayStation 3. You forget about like Heroes mm-hmm. on the Move, where's all the Sony mascots getting together for the Move controller to really show it off, which is I just... reviewed that game as a freelancer. Really? Yeah. It's such a it weird one. It. it had Sly Cooper in it, so that's fun. Yeah. Is that your review? <laughs> it was very good. It's, it's got Sly Cooper. Yeah, I think we, and for whatever reason, like the when you when when people say like PS3 exclusives, for some reason I think White Knight Chronicle, which is not a game I've ever played, but I just remember <laughs> oh, people yeah. yep. talking up white knight chronicle at some point but yeah there's a lot of yeah well i don't know if i don't know if it got a sequel but yeah yeah, i remember people talking about like oh this is it's this import game from japan that's exclusive to ps3 at a time when i think 360 had most of the exclusives and i think it took a while for that game to come to the u.s and people were like oh just wait for white knight chronicle and then i don't think it really made a splash at all yeah uh another weird one is yakuza dead souls which now that everybody loves Yakuza, yeah. it's weird to look back and like, oh yeah, there was that version where zombies infested Kamarocha. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it's a weird yeah. thing. There's also a lot of, I think, still some like fairly large platform differences between 360 and PS3 games. But I think the biggest one I think would be Near, which I think was split into two versions. Because uh, on I think on 360, it was called Near Replicate. I think it no in Japan it was Near Replicate, and and yeah. PS3 was called Near Gestalt. Mm. And I think that one was only released on PS3 where you played as like, you know, kind of like a grim, dark buff dude. And um, in Japan, it was called Near Replicant and you played as like a younger person. And I think that um, I think I want to say it was like Imran, uh, a friend of the show, who actually talked about it on on Fanbytes podcast. Oh, okay. Potions, where you talked about how like that actually changes some of the story beats to be a little bit different. And so like yeah. that, technically that um, that U.S that Western version of the PS like that Western PS3 version, I think is technically like an exclusive to the PS3. Huh? Well, the, uh, so the, in the American version of the game, you're a father saving your son, but in the PlayStation three Japan version of the game, in the version that is getting remade, you're a brother saving your sister. 
So it does like change the dynamic of that relationship in a, in a weird way. Huh. Um, other games we missed, people in the Mexican Pass are screaming for Puppeteer. A lot of love for Puppeteer. It's definitely overlooked. Yeah. I mean, my short list was Uncharted 2 is fantastic. It's um, it's great. It's a bet. It's I, I like it's a toss up between Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 4 for me yeah. in terms of the best Uncharted. Um, and then uh, Little Big Planet was huge for me. I played a ton of Little Big Planet when it came out. And then I think the other one that I had on my, my sort of short list is uh, it's kind of a, a joke now, but like especially at the time, Heavy Rain was like really You're unique right. mm-hmm. and strange and, and pretty cool. Like it was, you know, like it really, it inspired a lot of like, you know, telltale sort of type games. Life is strange. I know we kind of laugh, laugh it off now, but like at the time it was, I felt like I had, hadn't played anything like it. It know? was yeah. huge. Yeah. You can't overlook that. You're totally right. That now it's like David Cage, whatever, waka waka. But back then it was like, interactive storytelling potential yeah. is heavy rain baby it's funny you mentioned that you, you use that exact phrasing because i think the first trophy you get in that game is like thank you for supporting like the future of interactive entertainment i think it's like <laughs> one of one of the the first trophies you get in that game but yeah i uh, i remember really liking that game it's like i think it was more interesting as like oh video games can tell a story this way instead yeah. of like and not necessarily for like oh the story that it's you telling with this structure is actually like good but it was like an interesting <laughs> way to experience like Oh, a story. Um, yeah. I uh, I liked that game a lot, too. It was the most I've ever liked Quantic Dream game, for sure, was crowded around the TV, making decisions together and stuff. But I think the discourse in my groups around that game was like, we're already so tired of quick time events mm-hmm. in this day and age, and then this game is all that. And so it was yeah. hard to see it as like pushing anything forward. Yeah, there were some interesting ones where I think like depending on the difficulty, it was like you were trying to dismantle some sort of trap or something. And I think maybe you were I want to say you were maybe missing a finger or something, depending on your choices. And so right. like depending on like how you approached it or in the difficulty, it just became this really difficult quick time event where you had to hold multiple buttons down. I think like that that was actually a pretty clever use yeah. of it for, for like the most part. Cr- it, crawling through a, a, like electric wires, I remember. And if you went the wrong direction it would make you try to push more buttons than you could even really, you oh, know, and it was fun. like, I, that kind of stuff was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Going for different endings and different paths was awesome for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, the last one that I want to shout out is a weird thing. Cause it, there were a lot of games that came out for PS, I think Vita and three, but like sound shapes, I think was definitely like a, yep. a game that I ended up playing on PS3 that I really enjoyed in that. It was like a, a rhythm game that isn't like any other rhythm game before or after it. It's a rhythm platformer. Yeah, I really, yeah. really love Sound Shapes. It's one of my favorites for yeah. sure. I, I I downloaded it on my PS5 as like in terms mm-hmm. of like booting up that system and looking through stuff I owned. And I played through like the first couple levels of that game recently. And it's still, it's really simple, but really engaging and cool. Yeah, totally. That was, that was one of, I think, I want to say two games that I managed to convince my college newspaper to review because they were very much like, <laughs> oh, you can review movies and we like your writing or whatever, but I don't know about video games. And I was like, okay, this one is like an album. And I like sort of <laughs> I pitched it to them and it was weird because I was pitching them on doing a review based on the fact that I already liked the game which is maybe like a little ethically kind of like I really wanted to review it so I had to like kind of like be a proponent of it before I even got to write the review right right uh, as like an exception uh, but I remember like I, I I might still have that clip of my review of sound shapes of just like so being like oh this is like a weird this is, it's like playing an album or whatever <laughs> uh, but that's a good transition to the Vita 
which I just want to say one last thing. Yes, I sir. had the top loading PS3, the slim late game one. I loved it. It was so small and you didn't have to guess where the button was like I do on the new next gen PlayStation 5. <laughs> it's it's not available in stores now. <laughs> I look at those two buttons on the PS5 and I'm like, I'm either getting a disc or I'm turning this thing on. We're going to find out. <laughs> I guess every time. Yeah, I, the answer is to just never use that drive unless you're putting in a PS4 game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, Vita stuff is also getting shut down and PSP. So, yeah, PSP. you know, I, shout I out to Crisis my, Core, of course. Yeah. Do we want to run down our, our favorites for PSP? Like, not talk about them at length, but like just give our top three. Just run them down. Yeah, what do you got, Serial? Okay, I think so. Uh, number one would be it, it's technically not an exclusive, but Persona Three Portable, which is like mm. a port that changes a lot about that game. It is like a more visual novel esque than it was before because it's there's there's no 3D environments, but it added a bunch of stuff. Uh, it made the combat a lot better, and it added a female protagonist, which they completely forgot about thereafter, <laughs> uh, which is a tragedy. Oh crap, uh, women! Yeah, number two would be Metal Gear Solid uh, Peace Walker, which is, I, I I think it was probably controversial at the time as being like, oh, it's like Monster Hunter, but with Metal Gear mechanics. Yep. And I didn't even know what Monster Hunter really was at that point, but I was like, oh, if Monster Hunter is like this, I think I might like Monster Hunter because I really enjoyed that game. <gasps> and then number three would probably be this uh, a wartime fun, which is just like, oh, yeah, as close oh, yeah. as we got to like an anti game of just like this. We're going to tell you that doing these repetitive tasks kind of sucks uh, <laughs> like none of these games are like that great but it's mm-hmm. like the overarching like oh you're doing this to make money so you can buy more of these mini games and they're not none of them are really great but it's like there's just something compelling about turning pens around and putting the caps on them for hours and hours to get <laughs> money warrior wearish is uh, what that one always felt like to me right yeah. right right um and then the rest of you guys are big vita heads right yeah, well, PSP, yeah. I mean, both the Grand Theft Autos are technical, like, powerhouses. Yeah. Like, those games, the fact that those exist on PSP is incredible. Both the God of Wars are great mm-hmm. uh, from Ready at Dawn. Those are both fantastic. Um, and then Luminez was huge on PSP. Yeah. That's that's where I know that game from. And I also played uh, E7. Oh, it's the only East game I've ever gotten into. Oh, wow. PSP. I like that game a lot. Huh. Yeah, I, I like Luminous. I actually was mo- first exposed to on on Vita because I never had a, a real like PSP. Because I think I I got a PSP Go, but I was always waiting for like one day Luminous is going to be on the digital store, and it never came to that digital store. So I never played a, the original Luminous until that remaster. Wow. Uh, but so Luminous Electronic Symphony uh, was the first Luminous that I ever played, and it's one of my favorite Vita games for sure because that game is great. Yeah, the PSP Go rocked. I love yeah. that factor where it was like just the screen mm-hmm. and then you slide it up to get the yeah. controls. Play yeah, Peace yeah. Walker on that bad boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Persona 4 Golden was obviously another like pretty big, it wasn't exclusive, but um, Gravity Rush. Yeah, it's funny. I love the Vita. Gravity Rush, I love, but like it was funny like looking, trying to come up with a list of like greatest hits for me. It was like, well, all these are on other platforms. I just happen to play them on Vita because I like the portable right. factor. So like, yeah, like Icono Class is one I played on Vita, and I won't shut up about. It. And then That's like Waka Melee was another one that I totally associate with Vita, but isn't yeah. really a Vita game necessarily, you know? Uh, but yeah, Gravity yeah. Rush was like the one that I kind of found that I was like, I guess that's technically the one true exclusive that I really like. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of like the game is best on Vita because they it was they ended up releasing a lot of games from other platforms on it with like additional features. And that ended up being that console's problem was that it didn't have enough like games to justify you playing it on it. But like Muramasa Rebirth is probably my favorite Vita game. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is a portable Wii game. 
that I I played both of those versions and I really like the yeah the Vita version is better but also like Tearaway which I think is like mm-hmm. it ended up getting released but I, uh, on PS4 I think mm-hmm. but that version is pretty different and I I like games that are just like fiddle around with your console for a few hours you know like use the back touch screen for things that aren't super substantive but they're just kind of fun for a couple minutes take a picture of yourself and we'll put you as the sun in the game all that weird stuff in Tearaway yeah uh, the way of just like here's the potential of the Vita in that you can use the back touch screen to like make hills in the ground or whatever mm-hmm. to to solve certain puzzles it's just like it's not none of it is like really substantive but it just feels cool in the moment i'm just like why why don't more video games get more exper- experimental than this mm-hmm. and it's because like it's it's kind of just kind of fluffy it's like it's just kind of like there to be a feature it's not really it's not going to give you any it's not going to add to other kinds of games but when you focus a game on entirely those things mm-hmm. it can be pretty fun yeah god i remember there was so much hype about the vita and it was like it was the big news story for so long about the legend of the NGP. Remember who's called that? Like, oh, yeah. the NGP, it's going to have some weird back touch thing. It's going to revolutionize everything. It's like, eh, ultimately, there are a couple of games at launch that kind of used it. And then Tearaway was Ooh, interesting. But skate why out, are right? they always wrong about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're pretty yeah. uh, easily persuadable that everything's going to revolutionize video games in every way. The lack of rebel. Uh, spelunky machine for me for a Ooh, good eight months. Yeah. And not just because it was so fun on that small screen, but you could effortlessly do, you know, land style gaming with a PS3, you know, go to a friend's house, play Spelunky, and you would be playing on different monitors versus being dragged by the primary player. Right. You have to share a screen. It was yeah. like the best way to play co-op and Spelunky was to have a couple Vitas in the mix. It was yeah. very fun. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, Leo, you were a big Vita guy, right? Am I misremembering? I thought, wasn't that like a major console for you? I love the Vita. Yeah, I had a lot of games for it. I imported like a giant S- micro SD card from Japan to store more games. Yeah. But yeah, I adored it. I, Rest in peace. I, I this week bought a copy of Tactics Ogre because I've never played that game. Oh, wow. That, that, that is the only game I'm, I'm allowing myself to buy in terms of like, oh, I'll buy a game and for this potentially already dead console. But also, if anyone has a way to get portable ops onto my Vita, which I don't think you can do like the normal way because it's not as far the last time I tried it, it was not compatible with the Vita for some reason or in, in my region, I think in Europe, maybe it might be. So if anyone has a way to let me play portable ops finally. Uh, which is the one Metal Gear game I haven't finished. Uh, I will, I will you know. say YouTube highlight cuts are very helpful for Portable Ops <laughs> and Peace Walker. It's really... I don't want to... Yeah. It's not saying true to Kojima's vision. I know, but it's really fun just to watch. If you need to just dash a Metal Gear, you've never experienced those games. It's really what wonderful. Is, what's, what is in Metal Gear the thing where you get the soldiers out through the air? What is that called again? Uh, uh, Fulton. Fulton. Yeah, if you want like a version of Fulton that's like not fun, mm-hmm. Portable Ops is mm-hmm. for you. Yep, <laughs> definitely check it out. Um, let's see other stuff, uh, that happened this week. We should probably talk about a little bit, uh, Monster Hunter Rise. We haven't gotten a chance to check out yet, but I don't know if you all are feeling the rumblings. Maybe I'm just looking at like, you know, Twitter responses and stuff, but I think this game's going to sell a gazillion units. It seems like everybody, uh, that played Android World, which we know is the best selling Capcom game of all time. And everybody that owns a Switch, like that Venn diagram is hungry for something new. And the reviews are pretty solid, if not revolutionary. It seems like people out there are saying like, ah, it speeds things up. Like the dog, the Palamute's cute to ride around. Uh, having the wire bug, like the grappling hook generally speeds up and like exploring is kind of fun. Um, but not exactly the next step in Monster Hunter design overall. But Surreal, uh, is your hype growing for Monster Hunter Rise? 
Yeah, seeing the reviews definitely made me think, oh, right, yeah, I should probably play that because I like Monster Hunter World plenty, but that that was just kind of an unfortunate circumstance where, okay, they're, they're, they announced it. I saw it said PC on it. I was like, okay, can't wait to play yep. this game on PC, which turned out to be bad idea because it came out several months later didn't have as much exclusive content and like i was so set on playing with my brother and i was like okay i really like this game i played for 40 hours like you should try it and he played it and it's like i fucking hate this game <laughs> and I was like, well i don't have anybody to play this uh, play this with and it was like no one really wanted to play it on pc with me so i was just like well and this game is meant to be played like especially at the end game with multiple people so i was just kind of uh, uh, sol on that um and i played the demo of rise and like didn't really take to it immediately i think a lot of the increased like mobility options were really difficult and i've forgotten how how much of a move set each of those weapons are oh like, yeah because I, I, I fought that second boss and got my ass kicked for like two hours trying to beat it and i ultimately did it and i was like well how are you supposed to do it and it's like oh they're using the katana this the weapon for idiots is what everyone told me <laughs> that that sword was and even the guy who was playing it was like oh yeah here's you have to do even this simple weapon has like uh, two layers of mechanics to it where it's like you charge up the blade and you do this like combo or whatever and this unlocks this level and so they, they're all really intricate so it, it was just like a wasn't maybe in the right place to play it so I do really want to I, I do want to like start this game um, kind of fresh almost but I heard like the thing that actually got me really into it was that besides the tower defense sections yeah which are meant I, I think is like these are meant to be multiplayer it seems like it's more friendly to single uh, player minded people so I'm kind of curious to check it out from that angle. Right. Finally, Monster Hunter, just you can play by yourself. Yeah, I guess they have like quests that you can do completely by yourself. It's not all inter- intermingled like it kind of was in World. Yeah, but I guess and like you have like partners and stuff that basically act as like party members that can distract the guy, which emulates a lot of what made, you know, multiplayer Monster Hunter work is that like, oh, I'm doing this thing while you're doing this other thing. Yeah, I'm still confused about you know the lobby system and how much more friendly it is. Apparently, they made it a little bit better than it was in World and Iceborne, where if you join somebody, you don't have to watch the cutscene together when you're going on like those story missions and stuff. So that's a little bit improved, apparently. Like according to the, yeah. the Easy Allies video review, they're harping on yeah. that about how it's a little bit improved from that aspect. But yeah, um, and you, if you want to play it on PC, Serial. It apparently is coming out early 2022 in PC, so you could wait Not all over again. Mistake again. No, okay. I'm, I'm just going to play it on the console that everyone's going to play it on. I it, I won't get fooled again. All right. Uh, Kyle, are you going to check out Monster Hunter Rise? You know, it's funny. I I had no intentions to until this conversation because like speeding things up and mm-hmm. opportunities to play alone are like making me actually kind of be like, well, maybe I do want to check this out, you know? Because yeah. like I... I got world i me and my wife set up to play world but it just did not click with us at all um and like i tried the 3ds one and it didn't click there either but hey mm-hmm. maybe this maybe this time it'll finally click <laughs> yeah. i, I mean know. there's always monster something mantra. yeah like there's always <laughs> enough there in monster hunter to make me think like oh, i should really be liking this game more than i am and it, it, i always yes. like it enough but not like i i want to I would like to see what, you know, people who really like this uh, kind of game are really into, you know, like I just I feel like I'm close to like this should be for me. Uh, but like yeah. they I, I really like that PC version, but it's just like I didn't, you know, play it for hundreds of hours like a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I, just, I do people. tend to struggle in general when a game's sort of core loop is doing the same thing over and over yeah. with the expectation of different results. Like that's a big thing for Diablos and Destiny and, Far Cry and that kind of <laughs> what's that? Far Cry 3. Far Cry 
yeah, he knew he he was speaking to me, boss, directly. <laughs> but like that that style of game is just it's really hard for that to click with me. I don't really want to do the same stuff repeatedly, and that's kind of where Monster Hunter sings, right? Is like yeah. doing those fights over and over again with friends and stuff like that. So I, I don't know if it'll ever be for me, but. I mean, I am very susceptible to hype. So if people are yelling and screaming about it, I might have to pick it up. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't want to dissuade you from picking it up. But you just you never seem like it. Monster I already Hunter, bought it. So okay, great. But it definitely <laughs> seems like that type of game was like you got that core group to play with. Like you are good to go. And you know, if yeah. your wife gets into it, that's cool. But you, I mean, when's the last time you were into like playing games online with a group of friends, Kyle? Left for Dead. Left probably. for Dead, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the jury. All right. Left for Dead is Kyle's social life. Hello. Oh. Um, hey, talking about social life, uh, It Takes Two, also out this week, the new game from Joseph Ferris and developers over at Haze Light there. Um, last game was A Way Out, the bizarre co-op prison ba- break game, which I enjoyed uh, quite a bit. Uh, obviously, his big claim to fame was Brothers of Two Sons, which that was on PS3, right? Probably. Yeah, probably. yeah. yeah. Uh, just a fantastic, fantastic game. One of my favorite endings of all time. Um, but It Takes Two, it has looked interesting. The idea of, okay, you're a divorced couple being turned into toys, and then it's a co-op platformer. We'll see how platforming shines through. And the reviews are surprisingly positive. Uh, I am so excited to dive into this game. Um, has anybody started it yet? I started it with the intention of like, oh, maybe I can play a little bit on my own. Yeah. And that's not an option. So I was not <laughs> able to. <laughs> yeah. And it does that cool thing that I really like, uh, just like they did for A Way Out, which is surprisingly generous of, you know, a publisher like EA. But uh, if you buy the game, then you get a friend code. I know it's a confusing terminology with Nintendo, but you have a code that you can send to a friend so you can play online co-op with people, but you can also play local co-op. But it's so awesome for... Hazelight just to be setting out on this is our niche is bringing back story focused co-op experiences and I enjoyed a way out but definitely a little uneven so it's nice to see that with this one it's being much more uh, widely welcomed as, as a cool experience. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm glad someone is out there doing is making these narrative co-op experiences. And hopefully this is the one that will click with me more than the last one. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week for sure. Um, and much like my bet with Richard. Um, I enjoyed there's an interview with Joseph Ferris, I think Jeff Cork, a game former, did, where he promised to give you $1,000 if you thought that the game was not fun and packed with variety. Was that the wording, Cork, or Kyle? Variety. I, I, I think, I think the wording was that Ben Hansen would give you $1,000. That's right, which I don't know why he brought that up. I barely know the guy, uh, but that's nice. Um, but yeah, It Takes Two is out now, and it's out on uh, everything except for Switch. But uh, the plan right now, not 100%, but the plan is that we'll be streaming that on MinMax's Twitch channel uh, with me and uh, old Ronnie from The Deepest Dive and Final Fantasy VII and all that stuff. Uh, the old best friend. The guy with uh, the PS3? Yeah, the guy with the sweet PS3. So you can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash minmaxshow. Um, Serial, really quickly, yeah. um, the Immortals DLC. I'm curious about this thing. This is the standalone Chinese mythology DLC, right? Yeah, uh, so they, it's like a very kind of similar version. It's kind of like what you, uh, DLCs do a lot of the time where they're kind of like let's just take the base game and make it very small and have you go through it a lot more quickly right like to have basically right. repeat the loop of the base game and do it a lot more quickly right like a and that's essentially crash. yeah and it's like a it, it's fine for for that i think it, it like accomplishes that but it, it just doesn't really have any 
Like, there's no exciting reason to come back to this. And like the big sell, it's like, oh, it's based on Chinese mythology instead of Greek mythology, but they don't really do anything with that. Um, so like, like it, the backstory is kind of like the most intense, you know, kind of new thing about it. But even that is like, okay, the, here's a forest that's kind of wiped out most of the uh, Chinese mythology's gods. And so like, you have to fix it as this kind of like warrior that's been plucked out uh, out of anonymity. And then you have to kind of restore the balance or whatever, which is basically the premise of the base game. Uh, and so from there, it's so, like, so yeah, you are playing as a new character, right? Yeah, You're not named okay. to whose who's gender you can't really change. So it's like, Okay, but they don't really do anything with that. But like you go out and the island looks very similar. You know, there are like um, kind of different trees and the architecture is different. But it's like if you could mistake it from for the base game um, and all like every all the resources are basically the same. Like they, they're called jade coins instead of coins of Charon. And it's like instead of Ares Wrath, they call it like Blades of Huangdi. So it's 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 more of a, a kind of like a, a glorified palette swap in a lot of ways. Right. But I'm. Interest like if I didn't get that far in Immortals the base game, but I wanted to like, is this a cool way to have a boiled down down experience yeah, of Immortals? I mean, the the only thing it's missing is the dungeons, which is kind of one of my, which is one one of my favorite parts of of the game for me. Which is just like here's yeah, we're gonna those. take these concepts and combine them in kind of interesting, clever, extended ways. Uh, so those are really gone. So it's just you're basically just doing kind of like the the shrine esque um areas and like the open world puzzles and stuff so it's you're kind of just doing that for i think about seven or eight hours but yeah it's like it's totally fine it's not anything really exciting or interesting about it sure. outside of its premise but you know and there are a couple of, of like new tools that it's like hey if you attack this block it changes size and that you know is a thing you can use to solve puzzles with right yeah um so it's it's totally fine it's like it, it i don't think it's gonna you know make any waves outside of because i think ubisoft has done a pretty good job of having you know for assassin's creed like pretty exciting dlcs that take you to new places and stuff and this is basically that but for this game it's just it's not exciting but hey if you want to run through immortal phoenix rising in like seven hours it seems totally uh you know fine for that yeah sweet Good to know. Um, you guys want to say goodbye to Kyle with me? Goodbye, Kyle. As we go on, we remember Kyle. Oh, I'm graduating? Is that what's happening? <laughs> That's right. Bye, Kyle. Um, do you want to clap out of here, big grad boy? Wow! Jeff Markiapava has joined the podcast, everybody. Welcome, Jeff. Hello. Um, if you have never watched or listened to the MinMax Show podcast before, please let us know. If this is your first show, um, tweet at us. Let us know if it's your first show. I'm just fascinated and curious. Specifically, if you're watching on YouTube, I want you to leave a comment as your first show and you're confused about this clap magic that we have incorporated yeah. for years into the podcast. Because there's probably people out there that are stunned they're probably googling does magic exist right now it's incredible technology what is clapping <laughs> anyways thank you to everybody who supports us i'm sorry leo where do they support us on what what is it patreon that's right patreon.com slash minmax with two n's thanks to everybody who supports us over there at any tier you can jump in the discord which is a bit of a shangri-la on the internet um, and including if you are going to play Monster Hunter Rise and you're looking for a welcoming community to help teach you the ropes, find people to play with, um, the Monster Hunter community in the Discord is especially friendly, so please check that out. Um, and uh, you can jump in there as well. Uh, a sports team tier, you can compete in Trivia Tower to win fun prizes. That's coming up in April here, so if you're into video game trivia, you can check that out. And a big thank you to MinMax's biggest supporters, Leo's Cat! Yay! 
There yeah, he is. Very cute. Uh, also, Will oh, Cornelius. Cool. Uh, Will Cornelius wants us to know if you own an Android or Tizen OS smartwatch and are looking for a unique watch face with a retro sci-fi futuristic design, you can download the Facer app to your smartphone and check out the creator Cyberpunk. There's over 100 original watch faces featuring neon and metallic backgrounds, unconventional time and date displays, dynamic battery life and stat tracking, a new series of faces based on Dune's great houses, and there are free and premium faces available for $4.99 per month. So so thank you so much to Will Cornelius. Check out that Facer app creator Cyberpunk for some funky OS smartwatch backgrounds. Also, thanks to our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit who have been huge supporters of everything MinMax so far. Uh, they want everybody to know that you can get the double vinyl soundtrack uh, for Blaseball, which has music by The Garages, the band The Garages. So if you like Blaseball, the online phenomenon, and you want to support I Am 8-Bit because they support us, you can check out the vinyl soundtrack, which comes with mystery vintage style trading cards wax packs of five cards available and they contain official baseball team cards licensed by the game band which is the name of the developers so thanks so much to i am 8-bit i am 8-bit is so great um they have a wonderful online store and you can use the promo code spring forward no space spring forward for 10 percent off everything under 100 dollars in their wonderful online store and they're so generous and supportive that they give out a wonderful thing from their online store every single week to whoever we deem has the question of the week Submitted over on Patreon. Supporters at any tier can submit a question for us to read on the show, and you can potentially win a great prize from I Am 8-Bit. This week, the winner of Question of the Week wins the almighty 7-inch single Bug Snacks vinyl. Isn't that sweet? Nice. Remember we talked about it on the show, like that's so smart that I Am 8-Bit's releasing that, and so it is the classic Bug Snacks song that we all had in our heads for a majority of last year while we descended into madness. And uh, we'll Bug be shipping. Snacks. It is Bug Snacks. We'll be shipping that out to the winner then for question of the week. Y'all ready for this? Hit us. Look alive, everybody. Tyler Sticka submits a comment on Patreon or question. He says, looking back at the PlayStation 3 exclusives, I'm struck by how many awesome remaster collections the console received. Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, Ratchet and Clank, Eco Shadow of the Colossus, Metal Gear Solid, Zone of the Enders, God of War, Devil May Cry, Hitman, Prince of Persia, Tomb Raider. Many of these run at a higher resolution than the PS2 Classic releases on PS4, and some include special features. What was it about the PlayStation 3 that encouraged that approach for re-releases, do you think? It wasn't so much the PS3, I think, as it was that the PS1 and PS2 look like crap. <laughs> yeah, but it was also that idea of, you know, we don't have to fully remake the game at this point, especially for the PS2 collections. Like, okay, we'll get, you know, some external partner every once in a while, the internal team to actually just bring this up to HD, slap that HD name on here, and we can sell these things over and over again. Whereas now it's kind of murkier about what it is. But back then it was super exciting of like, what? Prince of Persia in HD? Is one of the Enders in HD? It's such a clear sell. Yeah, it's yeah, a, because it, they like, all look like butt. Well, you know. Not and, I, mean, I mean, just the field was less crowded, right? It, was, it seemed like such an obvious move to like, okay, let's put all these old games that were in SD and just put them in the HD, whereas now I feel like you're kind of getting into like more obscure games. It's not quite yet time to re-release some of those HD collections, so it's getting harder to like justify an HD release of a game that's already in HD, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that that's just like, oh, we can do this and people will buy them. What was I think? Like they realized that <laughs> during the PS3 era. Right. Turns out it made a lot of sense. Yeah. And now a lot of those things, yeah, are kind of locked on that generation. Uh, Danger Zone asks, does anyone remember Mag on the PlayStation 3? I rented it for a weekend, thought it was neat, and never thought about it again. Fun weekend, though. Yeah, I remember playing the demo for Mag. I'm sorry. I mean, massive action game. Did anybody else play Mag with, what, 256 players? Was that the hook? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. But I it kind of splits you up into distinct fights anyway, right? Yeah, yeah that, that was part of like problem. eight person squads or whatever. And I think as you leveled up, you got to control more and more of the battlefield. I think at some point you were just like a general. And I think you're, I don't know if you're, you even shot people at that point. It's just like you were the commander telling people where to go on the map. Right. It's kind of interesting concept, but I just don't think that, you know, it was interesting for a lot of people. Like who would support a game uh, mode with more than 16 players? That's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just kind of an interesting workaround to the limitations at the time. So it was like, oh my God, there are these huge fights, but not really. I, I It certainly worked. I mean, the fact that it's this memorable and we can make fun of that hook of like, okay, huge player counts, big deal. But I mean, the fact that I was not a big first-person shooter guy and it was very clearly on my radar, like, when is this? Mag? Oh, I might have to check out this PS3. Like, Zipper got the job done just with a, a clean hook for the PS3 back then. I love the idea. Yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah. Um, Owen McCarter writes in, he says, with Vita on its way out and the 3DS being discontinued, would you like to see another handheld console in the market besides the Switch? If so, what would that console look like? And who is making it? I, I, I remember thinking... I want to say I mentioned this before, but like, I, I don't know that I want to see like a new line of uh, like a new Vita effectively, but what I would want to do is just like, here's a way to play the games are already playing, but portable, right? Like just a switch for every platform, like a PS4 switch or a PS5 switch or, you know, like just a portable version that lets me play games that I'm already playing now. Right. I mean, basically what the Vita was where you could stream PS4 games to it, right? Yeah. Uh, like ideally they would be native so the like the, the screen resolution wasn't wouldn't be like you know weird or streaming or you know pixelated or whatever but that that would be as much as what I would want is just just have a way to play those games on the go even though that's you know not something that's really appealing right now eventually I have to hope <laughs> that I will go outside again yeah <laughs> even like not the on the go like I I like my Switch for on-the-couch gaming, where I can just kind of be curled up with it right here, and I'm not taking up, you know, the entire TV, and I'm still kind of in the living room doing other things, but also playing a game. You're like half-parenting. Yes, mm-hmm. half-parenting, correct. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> it, it's it, there's, I've realized there's just something that's nice about kind of being that close and almost like it makes the game more intimate, you know, like it's kind of just this cozy little thing that you can sit down and focus on. And that, that feels different from, you know, either PC gaming or normal console gaming on a television. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ben Shively writes in, he says, happy resident evil 25th anniversary week to you to to celebrate. Do any of you have any memorable games or moments with the series that stick out? memorable games or moments i mean all of them are memorable but yeah does one really pop out for folks (laughs) if i remember it it's memorable (laughs) i i was blown away by resident evil 4 yeah my cousin's crt in their basement oh my god that game was unbelievably good looking and terrifying i was so impressed by that game do you remember like what the first section you saw was over there that uh that first time you're pushed back in that building by all of the uh townspeople oh, that i God. forget the name all of the relevant nouns for but yeah, yeah when the chainsaw guy works. busts into the house was it like a spooky Killing. basement too i don't know if there was a spooky no basement. no no yeah, not, a really not nice game. basement it was newly no. finished oh. oh that's less interesting you want cozy, like scary yeah. basement where you don't know what's happening like that was what it was for me 
with, um, I would be staying at my friend Danny's house and his older brother was obsessed with Resident Evil 2. And so myself and uh, baby best friend Ronnie, uh, we just watched his brother play through all of Resident Evil 2. And it was like just that perfect tone of like, this game looks sweet. It's a little too mature for how old we are right now. And Danny's older brother was... I'm sure it hasn't aged well, but in our minds at the time, the funniest person on earth. Like every joke he said killed. So it was like, it was the world's greatest let's play I've ever seen. I would kill to actually have it recorded just to see how entertaining that actually was. But yeah, Resident Evil 2 blew my mind back in the day. Yeah, I I was also like, yeah, a friend brought Resident Evil 4 over and it was weird because they like I didn't really have a ton of Resident Evil experience up until then. But he was like, man, they turned it into an action game. And he he literally like I think he was already like most of the way through it. And so he just showed me like the last couple of acts, which is where that game is the most action based. I was yeah. like, oh, OK, see this maybe I can get into. Uh, and then I remember just playing through that game like multiple times, getting like the 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 hand cannon and like the infinite rocket launcher and all that stuff. Yeah. And just like that was one of those games that I think made me love like repeating games over and over again of just like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna play this game again and again just to have it you know go different ways and get new unlockable bonuses and stuff totally yeah leo that was my infamous yeah where i finished Resident Evil four it's like well time to start over like I, it's rare that i do this but i will just not stop playing this game yeah um favorite memory though it has to be with resident evil 2 remake my friend jake was over playing uh, fighting one of the early bosses and running around gathering ammo, running out, desperate, no health items, last bullet. He aims at the boss and says, one shot, one kill, and shoots it perfectly in the head and it goes to like the boss killed cutscene. <laughs> that was such a hilarious, <laughs> victorious moment. That's amazing. Uh, Paradise Inc. writes in, he says, whatever happened to the Randy Pitchford scandal? Seems like everything has been swept under the rug. Wonderful question. This was early of last year. Who can forget mm-hmm. where we were when we learned that Randy Pitchford left a thumb drive in the what was the name of that? Magic Castle. Magic No, not Magic Castle. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Medieval, Medieval Times. Medieval, Medieval Times. Times. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um I think it's Some kind people of like, are just so likable. <laughs> I guess it was kind of like a self-contained little scandal. Like that's weird. And it was part of that ongoing litigation that is always confusing and surrounding gearbox, but I don't think there was like a lasting impact right jeff no certainly it certainly doesn't seem at least either you know socially either it's it seems like people just kind of forgot about it. there were a lot of scandals uh in the past two years that i guess that one just people got over yeah it's wild to he me threw down the smoke bomb and it went off and Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. I almost feel like it, it's a weird thing where when you say the Randy Fitchford scandal, I ask which one, because <laughs> there's like there's the one with the thumb drive. There's the one where like him and his like him and his assistant had this huge fight where the guy I think was like stealing from them or whatever. Right. Like, and his wife. Right. There's the claptrap uh, voice actor who's also high up at the studio who is suing him. I think that's where maybe this whole thing emanated from. And then it was brought on to piff the magic dragons magic podcast like it's such a, a weird thing but i was fascinated by with the news that gearbox um was acquired by embracer group all hail embracer group um this year that like they had a video where i forget who the person was from embracer group or maybe it was an interview but like he was very direct and being like with this decision we are acquiring gearbox you know merging with gearbox is how they're phrasing it but realistically it seems like an acquisition anyways but he very much phrased it as like 
we are investing in Gearbox and we are investing and in doubling down and believing in Randy Pitchford. And like, it was amazing just to like have this huge corporation be like, this guy who in the past has been a bit of a loose cannon, we believe in him. And to really put it out on Front Street is a bold move on their part. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's such a weird thing where it's like, I think people are kind of like, oh, Randy Pritchard, I don't know. But he's kind of in a, enough of a position where it's like, I don't know, like what we, I I feel like people have done the like work, but it's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do about it at this point. Like we've, we've had that conversation. He's not going to get ousted from the company at this point. Like right. Embra- Embracer has, you know, like you said, doubled down on him. So it's like, there's not much else to do. So it's like, there's not much else to say unless something new, some new development comes up, which is, I don't know. It's, it's It does feel like a weird place to leave that off, but yeah, I'm very curious to see with the Borderlands movie um, going to be gaining heat and filming and releasing. Like, I want to know what that wording is like, what the messaging is to Randy Pitchford about like, shut your freaking mouth. Like when this movie's coming out, everyone's on best behavior because there is a very good chance that that movie will be a gigantic blockbuster. And to have like, imagine like the success of a Jumanji, which is sharing half the cast confusingly, but like the success of a Jumanji movie, except if like, the main creative voice behind Jumanji was like this wild card. Like there'd be so much tension on that success in Hollywood that I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic. I can't imagine he ends up in it, but it would be funny if he was in, if he was somehow in that movie. He's going to have a cameo. Absolutely. He'll be a psycho in the background, right? Yeah. They're just going to show his scene from in and of itself where he's in the crowd again. (laughs) Just cut to that. (laughs) That is true. He was in a major film this year with in and of itself on Hulu. (laughs) <laughs> that is so weird. Uh, Jake Zielsdorf writes in and he asks, do you believe there's such a thing as good taste or does everyone just have different taste? Great question, Jake. For sure. Like, yeah, I think there it, it is kind of like a mixture of both where even as you like something, you can say like, oh, this feels like specifically tailored for me. Where it's like, I, I, I like this, but I don't know that other people would like it, you know, as much as I, I think Dota is one of the greatest games of all time. I, I'm, it's like a game that I don't actively recommend to people that much um, because I feel like this is something that is to my personal taste, but I don't know that there is like an objective part of that that feels like, oh, this is objectively good. It is. I mean, um, you look at the amount of people in playing and enjoying Dota. I think it's very fair to say Dota 2 is objectively sure. good, right? Right. But also it's like, it it is good. It is like amazing for like a certain subset of people, right? Like it's not a game. It's not for everyone, right? Like I think you can kind of like, even as you're saying that I really like this, um, but I don't know that like it is a universally appealing thing. Um, so I think you can have like taste, but it's, you know, it's not, there is no objective standard, but you do kind of like think about how you enjoy different things. It's, it's all different tastes and where people's different tastes overlap is what good taste is or what we consider good taste. Mm, it's just yeah. those are the things that we agree on. And then we think, oh, well, I have good taste, but it's really just we we both like this thing for whatever reason. And I if enough think... people do it. And then, and then there's like that upper threshold where if too many people like it, then they're, you know, then it's mainstream and then it's supposedly bad again. Skyrim. Yeah. Right. I don't think good can be objective in any situation. I don't think you can measure good. <laughs> I think there is yeah. some aspect of it because like I like I, I always kind of I, I don't want necessarily want to say like the thing that the most people like is the best thing, because that's not 
always like that's almost for me not usually the case where it's like well then all like then why aren't like you know i think then categorically the the highest rated games on metacritic are objectively the best games right and that's always because of a skewed you know who's reviewing it or whatever but it's like there is some like consensus uh uh you know kind of um appeal and you know personal quality is kind of they're like kind of two different things it just means that like if a game is really rated highly it just means that it's easy to like versus like better than other games i don't know yeah there it is jake uh ramses garcia writes in he says how fast are you guys gonna buy the switch pro when it comes out later this year i mean they let me if if they if yeah the law lets surreal buy it Mm -hmm. i mean that thing the the switch is still sold out everywhere right (laughs) like yeah Yeah. this thing is going to be so hard to get uh but yeah i'm i'm eager to buy it i'm definitely not one of those people that buys like every version of the 3ds but i'm a soft nintendo upgrade kind of guy so yeah i will get it at some point for sure and it seems like rumors are heating up again uh throughout this last week that like people banging on drums this thing exists it's coming sooner than you think (laughs) we said it was coming for the past five years so now when it happens we (laughs) called it it was announced before the switch which was really weird yeah (laughs) well i mean it it is almost similar to like the the whole wee hd thing right where people were like there's gonna be a wee hd and it didn't happen for years and years until they made the wii u and it's like oh it is both accurate and to some degree more disappointing than we could have imagined but I, i i feel like they're gonna be a little more conservative on this one where it's just like yeah it's a, a better way to run switch games um but you know we'll, we'll see how that goes because it's like yeah nintendo is being so just like obscenely secretive about everything they're doing in the next few months besides like the tidbits that they're willing to say like this game's coming out this year because mm. we know for sure it'll happen right yeah 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 um Whew, get a load of this one andrew king i'm sorry don't get a load of this it's not we're not ready yet um andrew king writes and he says i just finished playing doom eternal's new new dlc and no spoilers but it kind of seems like a conclusion to doom slayer's story um and certainly an end to his arc in doom eternal how do y'all feel about expansions like this the kind that act as a curtain call for the games as a whole do you prefer this or horizon zero dawn where the expansion is set during the course of the main game and basically function functions as a lengthy side campaign side stuff for sure I want it to be uh, contained on the disc, or at least in the in the download. Unless it's one of those situations where it's very clear that this they're not getting another entry, and it's like, okay, if the team is desperate to wrap up a storyline, you know, a little bit Death of the Outsider, it seems like, right? Like, okay, let's go ahead and. Oh, even that was its own separate game, though. That like, is it true. Wasn't like, a, it wasn't a, a piece of DLC. Like, I, I although I did actually like Dishonored, did have those two really excellent DLCs where you played as Dowd, uh, who was like a different character That's with his right. own like skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's weird that I, I think a series Wrath is like the game that does both of those examples. Mm. Um, where like the actual ending of that game is DLC, uh, and it's kind of disappointing in that sense. But then they like the I think the two DLCs they released after that were where Asura fought Ryu and Nakuma, which are, like are way better DLC concepts. Where it's just like <laughs> we're just gonna take this character that has just become like you know an unstoppable force, and we are pitting him against two immovable objects. Right? right. And there were there were totally the sections where you were basically playing as Asura in like a, a rundown version of the Street Fighter Four engine against Ryu. Which is just like a fun thing for me that, again, I like it a lot. I don't know that I would recommend it to anyone who, other than people who really like the Sura's Wrath and Street Fighter. Yeah. But like, that is just like the exact kind of thing I want to see. It's just like, let's just go nuts on what we can do with this concept. Um, but then, yeah, also it has the really bad, like, unlo- pay to unlock the rest of this game thing. Right. 
Hey, Surreal, um, it was my get a load of this maybe last week, I think, but it's Harada's Bar, Harada from, from Tekken fame mm-hmm. and his new YouTube channel, which is still fascinating. But um, in that, he was talking about how Tekken was awarded the world record from Guinness for the longest running continuous storyline in video games. And it was 25 huh. years at that point. And it definitely gave me pause. Like, what? That seems very odd. Because Very specific. Yeah, yeah, you could count like Metal Gear from MSX through Metal Gear Solid 5, and that would be longer than that. Yeah, I think maybe they were just... I, well, it's weird because I I would even count Mortal Kombat as being that, but it's but like there's it's a this, reboot. Well, like the thing is, like yeah, I it, it is a reboot, but also it's like they contextualize the reboot as like okay, we're gonna it it is like in some sense technically still part of that same through line because it's like there's a thing in Armageddon that triggers the reboots canonically. Okay, but but it's like. Yeah, it's I don't know. I I don't take too much stock in Guinness records, especially when you read more about how they're kind of made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I feel like I would. There are ways to disprove that. But yeah, it's got to be running for a while. There's got to be some PC old game that technically the story is still continuing that I'm not thinking of. But there's got to be some biggies out there. But please leave a comment. Yeah. And let us know. I would be curious to see what they're kind of like. Well, this is how we justify giving it to them. Right. Know? And we're Guinness. Um, Mm -hmm. Christian Jimenez submits a question on Patreon. He asks, have you noticed that when using quick resume, it throws off the internal time of games? I noticed when I was playing HyperDot, shout out to HyperDot, and it said I had close to 350 hours, even though I've played like five or six by my count. As someone who likes personal stats about my gaming habits on a scale of one through 10, how egregious is this and who will fix it at Microsoft? (laughs) Great question. I haven't noticed that personally, but I am weirdly obsessed yeah with that hours play like specifically on steam i really love having a somewhat accurate read i mean it's probably just from podcasting and being able to being able to say like oh i love valheim i've played 35 hours at this point so far or whatever it is yeah i think it also depends on the game with quick resume stuff because i think some games acknowledge that better than others or some games will won't count that clock and some people do it's even like as much as like oh if you like press the home screen on a Switch game or something. Some games will continue, some games won't. I don't think there's like a, for some reason, there's no standard on whether or not that happens. And I'm also kind of obsessive about my play stats. So Mm -hmm. I hate it. I definitely do hate it when games do that. Oh yeah, which is a real bummer. Yeah, yeah, I I do too. And and to the point where I wish more games could figure out if I'm asleep on the couch or not and still have the game yep. up please like I, I think final fantasy 7 remake had the best version of it because they actually showed you the clock and then it would kind of gray out and it would stop counting if if you were idle for like a couple minutes really yeah yeah it's just a weird like i can't imagine what that conversation was like of like no we need to dedicate one or two days to this feature which is like a thing that's really cool but i can't, like what is the value of that except for you know in in these kind of marginal spaces like how much better that. did that make the game right twice as good i'd argue that's why one game of the year probably <laughs> yeah um, we have that shirt that says like it's time or that stops time or that stops time or that stops <laughs> that's right uh tim conlin writes in and he says benjamin Minmates, um, that's from the deepest dive in Arkham Asylum. Everybody, mm. um, he asks, "What are some of your favorite transitions in gamings? Maybe gameplay shifts in a significant way, unexpected playable character changes, or a new area to explore." Personally, I love the Lego DLC intro in Forza Horizon Four. 
There's a really fun transition from the real world into the Lego world. Uh, this is a nice reminder that I need to play that Lego DLC. I love Forza Horizon. I love Lego. I love the idea of that DLC, and I've just never gotten back to it, but I need to go back into that in this next week. But gameplay transitions. My The one that immediately jumps to mind for me is so specific, and tell me if I'm nuts for loving this as much as I, I do, but I just haven't seen it done this way before. But in the new God of War, the latest God of War, is my favorite thing where, I don't know if it's the first time you get there, but when you're in the boat and kind of in that watery hub, islandy area, um, Atreus is talking about all the different things you can do. Like, oh, we could go here, or we could do, you know, what Freya wants us to do and go over here, blah, blah, blah. And then Atreus goes, what are we going to do next? And then uh, Kratos just goes, I'll show you. And then it just transitions to gameplay. And it's like my favorite thing, the idea that he just says, I'll show you. And then literally it's, now I actually have to show Atreus what mm. we're doing. Like it just, it's such a cool, subtle way of putting you directly in control of that character. I liked uh, the Grand Theft Auto V switching characters conceptually. Right. But it just takes so long. Did they speed that up in the later versions? Maybe a little bit, but it's still longer than I ever want it to be. Right, right. Ooh, I wonder if in the PS5 version, if that's going to be a big selling point. Is it just going to be like, coming back in and out? That'd be so fun to see. It's going to rock it down so fast that you, that like the character just collapses onto the pavement when it hits him. Yep, that's how it works. Every time. Mm-hmm. Quentin Cassidy says, as of Tuesday morning, Microsoft looks poised to buy Discord. Good God. Do you think this purchase would mean anything for Xbox owners? It better. Frickin' better. God, the idea of Microsoft buying Discord is so funny because they would have to get rid of Skype, right? Mm. It's just integrated into Skype. What if it just becomes Skype at that point? They just I mean, Discord is a much better name recognition yeah. than Skype, but I'm still fascinated by it. There is a book in the downfall of Skype when last year should have been the biggest Skype year in the world. Like start of 2020, it was the go-to video call reference. It was the Kleenex of video calls yep. and somehow it craps the bed. I don't understand it. It was such a horrible application. It was, I hated using it so much. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> you, you gotta, yeah. you gotta figure like all the Skype team members were like, Zoom, what is Zoom? What is this Zoom <laughs> everyone's talking about? Right, right. Yeah, I, I remember when we used to work at Game Informer uh, I think those laptops were loaded with Skype for business mm-hmm. and that has to be the application I hate most ever it's, of just like how it started every time for some reason, every time I tried to say like, don't start this, don't <laughs> turn this on at startup. It would somehow come back. It, the login screen took forever and any, I never used it. Cause anytime I actually wanted to use it for like an interview or something, they were just like, yeah, we can just do regular Skype. And it's like, well, I don't know how to get this. Like I had different usernames. Yeah. It was awful. It is, I would uh, always take some time off from using Skype and go, is it as bad as I remember? Am I being too harsh on it? And then I'd have to use it for a Game Informer interview or something. And yeah, just absolute nightmare yeah. application. <laughs> I also did have like this weird like dumb moment where I think there's at one point where Skype let you have statuses or whatever. And I, I was just being like... I thought I was being real clever by just like writing literally just farted as my status. Oh, no. And like I forgot about using Skype using years <laughs> after that. And there was a video interview for that I was doing for Game Reformer. I was like, I'll just use my personal thing. And then it's like, 
the, my status is, was just showing literally just farted oh and I was, I was during the call I was scrambling to like okay I need to change that immediately before they notice and then they notice that it updated and they're like oh I guess he farted a while ago and it, yeah, it yeah. farted five years ago phew <laughs> I mean uh, while we're ragging on Skype I still to this day get multiple emails from Skype every month telling me that my subscription to like international Skype or whatever is it couldn't go through and it and I'm not going to be able to do it anymore and it turned out that my my Skype account got hacked at some point and someone used it to buy like international credits probably to make a you know arrange a drug deal or something like that but I and and I I couldn't log back into it and I contacted like their customer support multiple times and they were like no don't worry like whoever whoever like hacked your account back then is also locked out of it like we have super tight security protocols uh-huh. but they can't give me access back to it that's how tight and it so is there, and so there's nothing that i can do and i oh, and i've no. told them like i i just like just delete the account or just shut it down because i don't have access to it and they're like no we can't do that either oh, and so God. i'll I, I will just get emails for until the end of time telling me that my Skype money has run out and that my subscription won't last. But don't and worry. Don't worry, Mr. Markiafava. We can assure you that your account has just farted. So that will remain. Yes. Yeah, good I, thing I didn't add that to my... <laughs> that is definitely like a case, a use case for like why you should regularly update your passwords and how like just having information on one account will just like, oh, I forgot to use this application and I just totally forgot to like sunset it and it's come back to bite me. Like at some point there's going to be some really massive version of that that's even like larger than anything we've had before. Just like, well, in 50 years, Google will be gone or something and Mm -hmm. like turns out someone got a hold of all that info somehow, you know. Right. We forget how much we offload to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But to the to the actual question though, oh, they, yeah. I think they said that, or what I what I saw said that it was for it was like a deal for ten billion dollars. Yeah, just a rumor right? though. Yes, just a and rumor. they still might not sell to anyone. Yeah, yeah, but I I feel like ten billion like Microsoft could could spend that money somewhere else, and I I'm sure they're not just doing it for you know, like the Xbox division, but it's like, what company, what developer could you not buy for $10 billion at that point? Right. Isn't that better than, you know, (laughs) Sony Santa Monica, than this technology that you already have, (laughs) even if you really don't like Skype. Right. I mean, the smart thing I think for them to do would be to, you don't want to have people like have to make a new account for this thing. When you put discord on people's Xbox dashboards, it should be like, if you have an Xbox account, you already have a discord account. And you're logged in automatically on Xbox. We're changing party chat to be Discord and we're making the brands like synergized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all Xbox in- interactions online are like through a Discord. Yeah. The, the best thing that can come of it is that like you can just hop on a Discord server with someone who's already using the Xbox network. Um <laughs> So that like it is just basically cross compatible and seamless or whatever. Just like I can log on to my Discord and chat with someone who's playing an Xbox game, right? Like yeah. that's maybe the best use scenario. But I wonder if this is more less of a like, oh, let's make Xbox better using this, and more like let's just invest in Sunset Skype finally. Yeah, uh, people bring it up in the backstage pass watching us live that Microsoft Teams has replaced Skype for business, and they say that it's actually pretty okay. But yeah, also a lot of people hoping that Discord doesn't sell as long as you know. 
trivia tower remains pure. Uh, and now mm-hmm. maybe people can play from their Xbox Series S dashboard. So that'll be cool. Um, Mark Poli writes in, he says, thank you for introducing me to the phrase oofta. Somehow after the last show, it immediately uh, slipped into my lexicon. It feels so natural. Unfortunately, everyone in the UK will think you're crazy if you start using it and they'll shun you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark, but uh, I'm glad oofta. people are enjoying oofta. Yeah, oofta, getting shunned. No good. Yeah, I, I like the visual of you saying that and everyone around you just like casually <gasps> like turning around and not facing you crossing their arms giving you the cold shoulder (laughs) just like on command (laughs) steven lamson submits a question on patreon says we all know the lie that batman is spreading about him not killing people the amount of radiation x-rays he's using to see people's skeletons will almost guarantee their death slowly and painfully especially when he forgets to turn off detective vision uh anyway why do you think we're all so fascinated by x-ray vision despite its impractical crime fighting ability it was even used in the latest Marvel miniseries. Minor spoiler. Is it because of the glasses that came with old magazines? Is it because perverts just want to see through people's clothes? Remember that video after the Kinect came out where people claimed it could see through your clothes? Are we all just idiots? Yeah, number one, perverts. Number two, I, yeah, a, a curiosity about skeletons, probably. Yeah. I think it's 90% perverts, and I think human beings just don't like things that we can't see or know. And I, I, I feel like that that's like an easy kind of psychological hack of like, oh, now I can see everything. I've always been suspicious about our skeletons, but now I can finally see the skeletons. The weird thing about perverts, and I have a lot of thoughts on this, but... <laughs> the one weird thing about perverts. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too familiar with these dirty magazines they're talking about. Or I know they're just kid magazines on the back and stuff. But like... Even if you got those x-ray magaz- or x-ray glasses from the old magazines, like, is it that hot to see an attractive person's skeleton? Or is oh, I mean, it, that's is, what they call it boners, right? Oh, surreal yeah. Vasquez. <laughs> no, but it's not like an x-ray vision just, like, removes their clothes and they're just yeah, sitting there it's naked. Not, it's not like that image is inherently sexy of just, like, yeah, check out this skeleton. Right. If you, like, a pelvis. like, a slider, right, where it's, like, the inten- if you turn the I, intensity up to max, it's, like, you just see, like, their nervous system and soul. But, like, if right. you turn it, de- like, down, it's, like, well, at some point, I, like, Well, think yeah, about how like, sensitive that slider would have to be where it's, like, ooh, skin, hot. Then you just go a millimeter too far and it's, like, yeah, it's just, like blood and muscles and gross crap squirting. Yeah, I, I think you guys are taking what the X-ray part of X-ray vision too seriously. I, well, I, like, I think literally most X-rays of the time are it's like just your skeleton, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's where the name came from. But I think in terms of like the glasses and most people when they think of the ability, it's not just I can now see skeletons. Period. It's I can see through stuff that you know is normally opaque mm-hmm. I, I thought this question was going to be about detective vision style stuff in games i kind of questioned this premise that it, the society is more obsessed with x-rays than we should be i think this is the first conversation <laughs> about x-ray vision i've been a part of in 10 years I, well maybe it's just it's quietly simmering i think it's largely coming from Leo, like, that that just means you're you're the one person who's not a pervert so congratulations on that yeah thank you so much yeah you you don't just go to the doctor's office and look at that x-ray board and just be like ooh, and then kind of like bite your lower lip like the rest of us i don't know what kind of organs are in there vincent pavey writes in and he asks hey should quake champions come to xbox sure yeah yeah i won't stop them (laughs) i i i swear on this podcast i will do nothing to stop 
uh, Quake Champions coming to Xbox. I do think I, it is a I good idea. I saw that as a I saw that as a potential question last night, and I immediately had to look up what Quake Champions is, and then I was surprised that it had come out. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, years ago, I, right? I didn't, I didn't know what version that was. Um, but I always, I was a big fan of Quake Live back in the day. Yeah, which was like the the browser. You know, like I think it had its own launcher, but. It, it was just basically you play through a browser and it had like really good stat tracking for everything. Like it kept stats of every single match that you ever played and stuff. And I, I appreciate the old, old school quake version. So there's no reason not to. Yeah. I bet it's fun. I bet it's fun. And Hey, maybe a new show plus idea. Let's keep this thing rolling, going back and getting into quake champions. I mean, it's called, I bet it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a good idea put it in the poll for patreon um but i could see that if microsoft wanted to bring something new out of the acquisition that seems like a port that'd be doable technically anyways uh ben cooper just do quick live just do quick live ben cooper uh submits a question interesting one he says what's up uh minners and maxers hello uh he says naruto boy naruto i'm sorry naruto boy no naruto boy is coming to Game Pass on March 30th. The game has had very little hype, and it baffles me why. The gameplay, music, and graphics are stellar. Maybe it's just the name. It's absolutely the name. He says, anyways, I hope you all check it out when it arrives and have a blast entering the digital synth world of, world of the 80s. I saw this, Ben Cooper, and then I Googled, what the hell is Naruto Boy? Um, he ain't kidding. It really looks sweet. It's got a really great art style instead of just, eh, some pixelated 80s crap. It's like a new flavor of pixelated 80s crap that looks really fresh and cool. Yeah, the, Google refuses me to let me Google this properly. Keep suggesting Naruto. I know. That's probably yeah. a reason it's having a tough time. But uh, I'm excited to check it out. It's coming out on Switch and PC, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommen.gif says, hey, CLCs, everyone. I mean, everyone is hyped about that first spoken trailer. One of the things I don't hear a lot talk about uh, that I'm really excited for is the spell we saw with roots coming out of the ground. Okay, so if you missed it, last week, Project Athia, which was revealed as the PlayStation-exclusive Square Enix uh, IP that's from Luminous Productions, which was the studio that um, the people who were brought on to finish Final Fantasy XV split off to create within Square um, so Project Athia was officially renamed Forspoken. Uh, I think it looks awesome. Some, it's about a lady gets transported to a magical world. She's dodging dragons, and it seems very keen on mobility, uh, running around, dashing through the environment. It looks incredible. And yeah, the end of the trailer, she has a spell where like roots come out of the ground. Um, also, I mentioned it during the reaction stream, but fun fact is uh, Forspoken and Project Athia... It, they've been working on it for so long. Like we saw a teaser clip of the game that would eventually become Project Athia. And this would have been early 2016, like January 2016, I think. And the clip back then, it wasn't like the same main character here. But I remember thinking it looked like Katniss uh, from Hunger Games where it was her. And she was running along what looked like um, kind of like a British subway, like kind of like a brick curved wall. And she had arrows uh, in a little quiver and it was like a real quick shot of that so we saw that way back then so it's so cool that it's now coming out and it's called Forspoken but I'm very excited about that anyways Tommen.gif writes in and he wants to know uh, or he says most spells games tend to have the same very samey effect but that seemed really unique and fun what's your favorite spell to cast in a game he personally is a big fan of Levitate and Morrowind 
Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Maybe it's just because we just played it not too long ago with uh, The Deepest Dive, but Chrono Trigger, Luminaire. Luminaire? What's it called? Uh, Chrono's Move. It doesn't look too fantastic, but like at that point in the game when you get it, it's just like, all right, this is going to damage everybody for a ridiculous amount. I like ice spells, personally. Even if you want to be drastic and carry it over into May and Overwatch, I like ice walls. I know they're frustrating to fight against, but it's very satisfying to have that big of an impact. You can really annoy a lot of people with that. Telekinesis and Oblivion, picking mm. up objects and moving them. I don't know if there's a single practical purpose for it in that game, but it was cool that you could learn that spell and do it. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to zone out for a sec, uh, Sunstrike in Dota 2 is one of the better spells because mm. so it's Invoker fires off a laser, like an orbital cannon basically from the sun that fires off a, a sunspot. But the thing is, is that like it takes a second to actually land and you can fire it anywhere on the map. And so uh, so it, there's like the, a delay on it so that you basically have to predict where the opponent is. But it's really cool when you kill someone with Sunstrike because it's like, oh, I predicted where you were going. Uh, and now you guys can wake up. Oh. Oh, <sighs> thank you, though. It's so helpful for meditation to have white noise yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan submits a question on Patreon saying, to kill time during this pandemic, I've put together a few jigsaw puzzles. Occasionally, hang on, stop. Stop the podcast. Shut off the camera. There has to be a jigsaw puzzle with jigsaw from Saw's face on it, right? Of course. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so he said he put together a couple of jigsaw puzzles. Occasionally, there will be two pieces already correctly put together, either from somebody doing the puzzle previously or it just never got separated from the factory. What's the right thing to do in this situation? Is it cheating to leave them put together? Or should I take them apart and mix them with the rest of the pieces? I'm losing sleep. Please help. Yeah, we're here to help, you got Dan. It. You got to take them apart. Yep. You got to put them all out on the on the table, flip them all over so that they're upside down. What? Shuffle them all up and then flip them all over. Eat them. And then, and you, then, you, and then you eat, eat them. them. Yep. Yeah. Put them in a bowl and eat them like potato chips. And then finish it and then draw Jigsaw from the Saw series on top of whatever the artwork is. Um, yeah, no, you your own picture and frame it. <laughs> I've literally just had the situation. I put together a couple puzzles recently and it's like, you absolutely have to break it up. It's cheating. The point is to connect it. If, you know, if you order ingredients for food and it comes half prepared, that's not an analogy that well, works. Well, if you, if you buy ingredients at the store and you come in and there's several peanut butter sandwiches there, you're not just going to like, well, I have to take these apart. No, you not. do. You do. You take that's the bread cheating. apart and right you scrape now. the peanut butter off and you somehow distill it to separate the peanut butter and the jelly. Yeah, it's not a real puzzle unless you do it from square one, Dan. Sir, I mean, Leo, you're looking there not judging Dan. <laughs> Shame on you. Thank you. Um, Edgar Vasquez writes in and he says, what's with my brother? He says, what, <laughs> what word or phrase created for video games is the most widely known in pop culture? Phrases like Battle Royale and words like Mario were in use before their video game equivalents. But what is the number one? He says it has to be... Spin dash. (laughs) 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 He guesses it has to be Pac-Man. I mean, names, that's confusing. But I like video game-centric phrases. Like, what has made that leap the best? Mm. I I, I feel like there's got to be a go-to answer for, like, a verb that maybe emerged from video games. I mean... I feel like power up yeah level up um game over has to be huge right <laughs> that's true but what game is that from aliens 
<laughs> That's ironic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, but that, that probably originated from Flossing. video game, right? Yeah, I don't think people Honestly, playing... I don't know. What, people playing Solitaire <laughs> in 1432 were like, I got a game over. Yeah, chess. Is, is that how, like, tennis ends, or...? No. <laughs> the ref just melts. <laughs> game over! <laughs> game over! <laughs> um, what, lives? No, because I feel like that's... Yeah, that's li- yeah. Lives? Yeah. Life? Did video games create life? I don't know that they didn't. Double jump? Extra life. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Leo, do you think your wonderful mommy, mommy Vader, has she ever heard the phrase double jump in her life? Yeah. Do you think? I think so. So what do you think it is? I mean, the the names, I don't know. Yeah, names don't count. I, I'm leaning game over. What's the exact question again? Just phrase from games? What's up with my brother? Uh, yeah, words or phrases created for video games that are most widely known in pop culture. I want to. I want to run like an, we should run a, like an engram search on Google to see when game over was like first a phrase. I mean, it's just it's it's probably Space Invaders. Says you, Hanson. Yeah, that's true. Jeff, I just have a hard time believing it's was never said before. That. I mean, yeah, because there were so many games and yeah. every game has a state in which it's over. <laughs> is is oh, it a game over? That... Great job, my friend. Yeah. Mm, For instance, mm, I, don't I don't know. I mean, but it is a weird thing to say. Like, is there a chance that it comes from like Japanese arcade games? Just like a weird translation. Whereas in the American arcade games, it says, thank you so much for playing. We look forward to you coming back. But but your current <laughs> round has good. ended. Plus seven percent endurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, let's all do our research. Okay. We have one week. Hold we'll, on. We'll each do a week's worth of research. Yeah. Epic. Epic, bro. Epic. Oh, Epic. Do, you, do you think the game Fortnite has brought the term Fortnite back into prominence? Yeah, I did probably create an epidemic of people spelling it wrong. That is yeah. absolutely true. Oh my gosh, yeah, that has to be all over the place. Um, yeah, because is oh man, everybody trying to recite Lincoln's speeches now. There's going to be a mess. Yeah, I wonder how many how many kids who play Fortnite know what an actual Fortnite is, though. Hang that on, sounds like a man on the street segment. <laughs> Hello. Oh, <laughs> I can't imagine how gross doing a man on the street segment would be right now. Excuse me, can we run up to you real quick? No. <laughs> uh, Jeff Enright writes in. He says, "Hey, Min Maxers, I hope all is well." pretty good um i have one simple question for you today what is your favorite netflix exclusive movie or television series don't think too hard just gut reaction go he says for me it's afterlife the ricky gervais series and the trial of the chicago 7 film netflix exclusive um series it's restaurants on the edge just the worst show that i've watched every episode of (laughs) it ain't good Okja. Okja. That's probably my favorite original Netflix content. What is that? It's uh, from the director of Parasite. Bong Joon-ho, your favorite movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hip. I'm I'm cool. I've seen it. 
Yeah, it's about uh, this family who is tasked with taking after with looking after this uh, super pig for this corporation and they raise it and then it comes uh, collecting the nicest one. And it's, uh, you know, it's a girl and her animal story, except the animals is very cute, very convincing CG super pig. And uh, God, I, I, I knew I liked it, but I watched it again recently and it's just like scene after scene is just perfect yeah i don't want to say a single other thing about it that's nice uh, in the backstage pass joseph dowdy says comedians in cars which will probably be my answer but at the same time that's a that's a crackle joint that netflix stole from the fine yeah, folks at crackle, crackle. <laughs> yeah from, uh that's a crackle jack I, I like both jack horseman a lot i like the first season of narcos the rest of the seasons are like good to fine but i think that first season is really cool glow ended recently but mm-hmm. i like that quite a bit uh i'd have to look at what other exclusives there are well there's the dota anime serial that's true how was that you watched it right it's okay i don't know it's okay it it feels like yeah okay it's a little too crowded but yeah crowded i liked uh the mind hunter oh the fincher thing yeah that was good um i really I know we we talked up we really hyped it up during that Netflix E3 uh, show that we did. But Grace and Frankie is legitimately just a great comedy. Oh, with nice. Like, nice! With like huge, you know, like all-time stars in it, in like completely different roles than you've ever seen them in, and it's just a a genuinely very funny show that you wouldn't expect like. A show about senior citizens getting old and, you know, finding like a second life and friendship and things like that mm-hmm. to be, you know, as 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 witty and entertaining and kind of touching as it is. Yeah. What the, that reminds me, Netflix games, they haven't announced anything in a long time, have they? It was like Dark Crystal Age of Tactics early last Stranger year. Certainly not Grace and Frankie the video game, which Where just is it? it? Come on! Come on! Rockstar, make the game! I mean, they're partnering with Joseph Aris to make it, uh, you know, one of those co-op games. <laughs> it <laughs> takes both Grace and Frankie. <laughs> the worst <laughs> DLC of all time. Yeah. No, I, I actually totally remembered uh, Roma, which is probably my favorite thing. Oh, that sure. Netflix has done. Yeah. That was yeah. a Netflix original? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a weird one. The uh, Irishman Santa Clarita Diet, really funny, really recommend it. Mm. Even though it kind of got cut off and canceled, and the ending is okay where it's at. Yeah. It's a very funny show. I mean, all of those shows have such a tough hurdle to get over, what, two or three seasons? Because it's understandable. Like, they want the splash of the reveal, but is it really worth it to keep these shows stringing along? Netflix says, yeah, they've said we don't make more money for doing more than three seasons. Yeah. There's like no reason to do it. Yeah. But I, it kind of makes for nicer, shorter, more focused stories in some ways. Yeah. It's just like the way they kind of unceremoniously do that. Right. Versus like, okay, right. you, you, ha- you have three seasons, do whatever you want mm-hmm. instead of like, well, we were on th- season three, but now it's over. You, you, you didn't get the opportunity to actually, you know, end this problem. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Oh, it reminds me. Yeah. Russian doll. I really liked a lot. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're making more. They are. Oh, they are. Season okay. Two, yeah. Oh, geez. There we go. Um, what do y'all like for a question of the week? I, I, it's not related, but I guess that's, I like that Skype conversation just because it felt like a <laughs> yep. weight had been lifted. Yep. I, I like <laughs> Skype and yeah. Resident Evil. Yeah. I like Skype and I liked uh, X-ray the, perverts. X-ray. Well, I, yeah, I guess um, I like the phrase 
breaking into pop culture. Jeff, on which way are you leaning? Look, we all had a lot to say about Skype, so... Leaning that way? Let's go for it. All right, congratulations. That's Quentin Cassidy. Question of the week winner, I'm 8-Bit. We'll ship out that 7-inch vinyl for its bug snacks. Thank you so much for everybody submitting a question over on Patreon, supporting us at any tier. We appreciate it. Now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Cereal? Yeah. Share uh, the load. More of a quick kind of news hit, I guess. But uh, if you remember... Uh, Ikumi Nakamura, everyone's favorite E3 stage presenter that was previously working on Ghostwire Tokyo, yeah, uh, recently announced that she is f- forming her own studio, right? Uh, and you know, kind of as part of the larger, like the thing that I would recommend is to go watch the this uh short documentary that someone made about it, uh, called Ikumi Nakamura Remnant Tour. Hmm. Uh, so where she talks about it, like it's a lot of footage of her walking around and stuff and, and kind of talking about why she did what she did. Um, it's like pretty in depth in that, like she talks about how like a lot of people at Capcom where I used to work, you know, cause she's, she kind of worked on Okami, I think was her first big game. And a lot of people would like sleep at their desks. Yeah. It was really harrowing. It was just like a lot of overwork. And even at Tango Gameworks, she was like, well, it's not that bad, but I think people were really passionate and like working on, uh, even Ghostwire Tokyo became like, took this kind of huge toll on me mentally and, and like it wasn't healthy and she was like well i don't want to work on it like i don't want to continue risking my health to work on the game and so it's kind of like this surprisingly kind of poignant look at you know long-term game development where you know she kind of ends with like hey you know i want to make my own studio yeah um, so it's definitely worth a watch and uh it's weird that she like she mentions like yeah i want to hire a bunch of foreigners i want people who can you know i just want creative people and i want to be able to learn how to communicate you know across disciplines and see like you know, like I took the studio tour of a bunch of different places, not for like, oh, yeah, like, let's hire a bunch of people and see how you work. But like, or like, you know, what what you're working on, but more like, how do you work? Like, what is your work environment like? Mm-hmm. And so it has a lot of like fun insights and is yeah pretty interesting. So cool. Yeah. Links below for for all these. That's a good one. Uh, Jeff, um? uh, get a load of this. We all know Pokemon. Yes. But they're so pa- passe nowadays. <laughs> Nowadays, it's all about Fontemon, mm. uh, which is this game that it, that some evil genius named Michael Mullet created. But basically, he created a like a playable version of Pokemon, but it's all contained within a font. And so you can actually just load the font in a word processor. And then as you type buttons, it kind of move it like creates the game and moves you through like an entire Pokemon style game with like made up. He made his own Pokemon and everything. Jesus. And I I guess he said that the way that it works is kind of like how, you know, there, there are certain like combinations of letters that you can type that it will kind of merge them together. And he used that technology within fonts to like add animations and sprites and all of these other things. Jesus. Uh, And it, and but it, it's also like so so like every time you press a button it's kind of like one frame that's running you through the animations but then when you get to the actual fights and stuff it's like press a to do this move or b to do this move and whichever one you actually press will actually perform that move it's it's, it's pure wizardry yeah uh, and and also it, it seems like the guy is from minnesota because it's all minnesota themed too and you what? like you go to Owatana and you go to the 
the Twin Cities. Is there an Uftaman? It's a very weird... Huh? Uftaman? <laughs> Uftaman, yes. Interesting. Uh, so we'll provide the link, but it's a it's a people, man. Weird. Weird. If you ever wanted to play a font, mm-hmm. you can now do it. What a time to be alive. Heck yeah. Leo, is it a good time to be alive? You tell me. With my newest, get a load of this. <laughs> uh, have you heard of this one, Hanson? A life well tasted. No, Robert Ashley? Robert Ashley, who did the podcast, A Life Well Wasted, the video game podcast yeah. we both love. We all love. Um, it's a YouTube channel he's been doing lately. Very under the radar, 460 subscribers right now. But it's uh, minimally produced cooking videos where he has a head-mounted camera and he just cooks and talks through what he's doing. And it's very soothing listening. He's got a great voice. Yeah. And it's nice content to have on while I'm editing or something where I kind of tune in and out of it and I'm just like picking up some cooking tips, but mostly it's just like relaxing background noise. I love the idea of him going from the most disastrously overproduced podcast of all time about video games that he just got bogged down with and couldn't keep up with the production now it's just like i'll just strap a gopro to my head and cook salsa <laughs> and it's great that's perfect i love it a life well tasted uh hey get a load of this uh you know david wise uh the old rare composer donkey kong country is kind of his biggest claim to fame uh but so many great soundtracks throughout the years um he along with other former rare people started up something called dk creations not Donkey Kong, mind you, legally. This is just DK Creations. And they have a band called Salamandos. The Salamandos. And so I guess uh, they've been performing some of these songs live um, and doing like signings. Um, and he released what he describes as the first 8-bit, 8-bit NES style track he's produced in 30 years. And it's for when he's doing live shows with the Salamandos, he plays this while they're signing things, like signing old games and stuff. But I just want to sit back and listen to some new 8-bit music from this classic rare composer, David Wise, here. on like that you get the idea but it's very good new david wise music and he also has a track that is very donkey kong inspired uh, so if you like the old donkey kong soundtracks the composer is making new stuff that sounds a lot like it so check it out links below do 8-bit composers have like a preferred program for making those or or do they just use like modern music making software i have at this no point? idea my friend i have no idea uh jeff do you have one from the community from the discord yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this one was posted by The Smack, um, and it is a Twitter thread by Rami Ismail, um, oh, yeah. former Lambeer co-founder, made Nuclear Throne, all that kind of good stuff. But basically, he he 
uh, watches the trailer for Six Days in Fallujah and right. kind of talks through talks through a lot of the problems with it. And he has an entire Twitter thread that he kind of followed up through it. Um, and it is it is a really edifying and interesting look at a lot of the problems with that game. Um, yeah, and it's it's worth everyone taking a look at. Well, there we go. Um, thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Um, heads up, we have MinMax Council, our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Uh, this week, Kyle called in, talked about uh, his new love affair with Undermine. We also review Justice League and talk about that. So if you're interested in that, you can check it out at MinMax Council if you support us over on Patreon. Also, um, this Sunday... At 6 p.m. Central, so March 28th at 6, uh, 6 p.m. Central, if you support us at the MinMax Council tier on Patreon, you can call in and podcast with us. You can be on the show if you've always wanted to talk to us or you've always wanted just to be on a, bod- a podcast and have me listen to you talk about your favorite game of all time or what you've been playing. Uh, you can jump in there by supporting us at the MinMax Council tier on Patreon, and then you can be on the podcast this Sunday. So let me know if you have any questions about how that works. We'd love to hear some new voices. It's always fun. Um, Next week should be exciting. Uh, One of the things we have going on is this next week? Yeah, I guess new episode of Better Quest, our show all about getting better with the great Jeff Cork, uh, now out of Game Informer Jeff Cork, a post-Game Informer Jeff Cork. Uh, We'll talk about what his life is like these days. Um, And Better Quest is our show all about getting better. So if there's something that's been nagging you for like, ah, I should really do this, but I don't want to, I don't really have the motivation to improve this aspect of myself, that's what Better Quest is all about. So choose a goal for the month of April for yourself, and then you can jump in the Discord or not. But you're welcome to jump in the Discord. There's a whole channel dedicated to talking about how you're doing with this goal, where you're at, and going to get some nice encouragement from the community. There's a spreadsheet. You can enter your goal. It tracks the overall level of the community. Um, and if your goal is interesting and you're doing well, uh, there's a good chance we'll call you up to be on BetterQuest as well to talk about that goal. Um, also, reminder that we uh, have our own goal on Patreon. If we hit 2,500 supporters on Patreon, we're recording commentary tracks for the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition Trilogy. We're slowly inching towards it, but thanks to everybody for saying thanks for the content by supporting us at any tier on Patreon to get us that much closer to recording those commentary tracks, which should be a hell of a good time. Anybody else have something to plug? Uh, yeah, I have uh, bo- like my full reviews of both the uh, new Immortals DLC and the Dota anime. I think that'll actually be up tomorrow if you're listening to this live. Um, but I'll have both of those reviews up soon. You can just find those on my Twitter. I'll go to uh, polygonandgamespot.com for those. Cool. That sounds good. Um, well, we should thank all of our supporters at the $50 tier over on Patreon. Um, I sent names over to you on Discord. Do you all want to uh, run down those names in complete unison? Oh, at the same time? Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. I, I, people are sick of my voice, so I'll let you three take it. Uh, Jeff, have you got in there? Uh, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. And this is everybody who supports us at the $50 tier. Thank you so much to everybody that supports us over at Patreon. Specifically, thank you goes out to... Will Cornelius, Mirko Rico Torano, Moonface Nick, Zachary Pliggy, Bean Down Brian, Ray for Gamers, Mark Saliga, Andrew Yurikwitz, Joar Hello, Brian with the Y, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Andrew Rolla, Ludwig Rook, Super Serious Sam, Yaro, Ireland Your Eyes, Richard Nutt, 
Clint Farley, Clayton Meyer, Breatham Yarlagato, Spider Dan, Star Killer, Steve Bam Dad, Alex I accidentally said Richard Nuts instead of Richard Smuts, but how do you get us to stop and do it again? You know, I just had to power through it. So apologies. Do you want us to take it from the top, Leo? Yeah, why don't we take it from the top, but uh, off air. Okay, yeah, no problem. Cool, thank you so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go!